What's going on everybody? John out here with ya. It is Tuesday, October 31st. It's Halloween night. I got Alec Nava in here with me. We are going to bring him in. So we have some developments, but first let's get into the starting lineups. So for the Texas Rangers, it sounds like this. There's going to be some adjustments. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Mitch Garver, Evan Carter, Josh Young, Nathaniel Lowe, Jonah Heim, Leonardo Tavares, and Travis Jankowski. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, head coached by Troy Lavulo, it is Cattell Marte, Corbin Carroll, Gab Moreno, Christian Walker, Tommy Pham, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Alec Thomas, Emmanuel Rivera, and Geraldo Perdomo. So again, they're going to put Longoria on the bench side. But Alec, this is big. Again, we talked about a little bit in the last game. And the sense of what's going to happen with Max Scherzer, back spasms. What's going to happen with Adolis Garcia? Well, he's going to be done, it sounds like, for the rest of the series. And maybe Max, too. They're both off the roster now. And that is a big blow for the Rangers if they were to go on to win the series. Now that they're up 2-1. Yeah, they won last game. But at what cost? Because we just seen the update. Garcia will not be on the lineup for the remainder of the series. Just remember, he has that cannon of an arm. If you remember about his mm -hmm. play that tossed out Christian Walker at home plate in game three, well, they won't have that anymore, and now they'll have to be having Travis Jankowski on the right field for the remainder of the series. So the big question, how will they go throughout the remainder of the World Series without Garcia? Yeah, that's the biggest question for tonight. The immediate question is this. Again, it was different on both sides for me. For the MLB side, we had it as Joe Mantiply. And for the MLB Rotowire side, it's Reen Nelson. So he's going to be the primary opener, and then they might go to Marte. It's still Andrew Heaney for Texas. The one thing we know tonight is there's going to be a lot of runs scored, most likely. In these games that are bullpen-centric, and it is Joe Mantiply out there, so... They might mix in Reen Nelson after Mantiply, but in the sense of it, there should be a lot of runs scored. We know that it's bullpen usage. It's that type of game. Do you think it favors anybody? In my opinion, this may lean more towards an Arizona Diamondbacks type of game if we're looking at the comparison between these two bullpens. Of how the Rangers' bullpen has stepped up throughout the postseason, that's not going to guarantee a lot. I may lean towards the Diamondbacks for now. But we could see some piggybacking here after Haney from Dave Gunning. Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be early for both of these squads. The other thing that I wanted to mention, we did a pretty good job as far as the lineup predictions. Nobody could have predicted Adolis Garcia out there as Simeon takes the first pitch for a strike on a sinker. I was going to say, though, for the Diamondbacks or Trilavoa squad, there's not much changes here. We talked about maybe a possibility of mixing things up in the middle of the order. They're still going to roll with Christian Walker. And if you can't score in a bullpen game, Arizona's going to find themselves in a world of trouble if they go down 3-1. Yeah, they're going to find themselves in that trouble if Christian Walker doesn't get ahead because normally he would be reliable in these situations. And I've said this time and time again. Christian Walker has been one of the more reliable bats during yes. the regular season. We need to see the same thing for him here in this World Series. So buckle up. This is going to be a good one. It could be a wild one here on the Halloween night. 2-1 count. Marcus Seaman takes 89 sinker just inside 3-1. and one. I was going to say here locally on the Michigan side for me, I went out to go get the mail, do some other errands and things like that before getting into this game with the notes. It's snowing outside in Michigan. Thankfully it's not doing that in Arizona. 3-2 now. Snow coming up, so perhaps some early 
holy winter. <laughs> I hope not. Again, on the Halloween side, it's a little bit too early for me. Full count here for Marcus Simeon. This is popped up in the air, and we will see if it goes out of play. Yes, it does. So Simeon, lengthy up bat to start, and we'll do it again. So a little bit of a break there for Marcus Simeon. And we all talked about the batting order, especially the top half. But Simeon and the bottom half, they need to turn things around. You know, we wondered that a little bit as far as how the lineup was going to move. You got Mitch Garver at third as Simeon puts this one back again. But Mitch Garver at third today to replace Garcia and then Carter and Young. So you still have the youngsters and the 21-year-old and the 25-year-old respectively. Four and five in the middle of the order. And Nathaniel Lowe has also moved up to sixth. They've dropped Jonah Hine to seventh on that end. They needed to... Get some production there, Simeon. That's a great stab for Perdomo. We're going to start it with the defense early. And I like that for Arizona because even though they didn't adjust their lineup, they want to play their brand of game on the defensive side. And it still has not changed. Man, I just wonder. I know we talked about a little bit with Perdomo on the bottom of the order. Even Rivera, if you just moved it a little bit for Christian Walker, that you could bring up and get some more hits because that bottom of the order has had production with the exception of the game three side. Here comes Corey Seager. He swings at the first pitch. He hits it pretty hard, but this will be caught just shy of the warning track for Lourdes. He just got it against enough juice in that hit. Now that Corey Seager is going to be without Adolis Garcia for the remainder of this series, now you would think that the bulk of the work is going to fall on his back for the remainder of the World Series. I want to piggyback on that for a second, Alec, because you know when you have a Dolis Garcia behind you, Corey Seager's probably going to get good pitches to hit, right? Because you don't want, want to walk Garcia. This is big for Garver to provide that same protection, isn't it? Yeah, it is big for Garver. Now that he's going right up at the three spot in place of Garcia, who was at that spot in game three, but now it will be Garver followed by Carter. So 82 for a changeup, and this is just outside, make it one and one. So we're in Arizona. At Chase Field, it's a 2-1 lead for Texas. Again, a 3-1 win in Game 3. That was the best pitching performance we've seen for Texas. They really played their game. Alec and I were wondering when that was going to happen. Now in this Game 4 side, as we're just on the top of the first with two outs, what will we see from both of these bullpens? And again, for Trail Villa's squad, it's already getting warm there on the side for Miguel Castro. So we know what it's going to be. It's going to be short outings on one side. Is Arizona going to be prepared for it, or is Texas going to be ready to go? That's the main narrative of Game 4. The 1-2 pitch upcoming. Get the sign for Moreno. This goes off his mask, and he's going to need an extra beat. Ooh, that looked really tough right there for Gabby Moreno. That was close. Yeah, that hit him right in the grill in the middle of that mass. Troy Lavoe, 11 career postseason wins tied for most in team history from Bob Brenly on that side. And again, to think about it, for both of these squads two years ago, they lost over 100 games. Lavoe was still the manager. Most managers don't get that opportunity. And now Arizona is in the World Series. Who could have predicted that, even on both sides? As this will be a little bit of an up cam, and this goes high. Go ahead. Yeah, I could say the same thing for the Rangers two years ago because if, if we were to think about these two teams being in the World Series right now, that was, would be a crazy idea, especially when they had the Rangers' previous manager, Chris Woodward. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's only been a little bit of change on that side. Again, Woodward, but you go to Bruce Bochy, who you're able to get out of retirement. That's, again, another slam dunk hiring that we always talk about. Evan Carter, 333 in the postseason, is up to the bat rack if Garver will reach. And this is a payoff pitch. It'll be slam fall off the changeup, and we'll do it again. I know about the, these two teams continuing to play their game, and the Rangers, they played the game that they've been wanting to get on the defensive side, and finally they have an outing like that. Yeah, the pitching outing was definitely special on that end. Good walk for Garver, so he's done the job here, and Carter has a chance to hit, not with a runner in scoring position, but at least the first base runner of the game. It's next man up here for the Rangers. Now that guy see us out for the rest of the World Series. And it's emphasized with Evan Carter, and now with the addition of Jankowski. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see when we get to that bottom of the order what's going to happen with Travis Jankowski. There's a few different options they could have went with. But again, Jankowski has played a considerable amount of games. He had 263 this year, had a home run, 30 RBI, and 19 stolen bases for the 32-year-old. So not too bad, but again, you can never replace somebody like Adolis Garcia. But at least Texas has a ton of other hitters in that lineup. We'll see what Evan Carter can do. Oh, one. He takes a sinker, make it one and one. Evan Carter, he can really hit ever since he was called up. Now, if I were to go with anyone on on the bench, if I'm the Texas Rangers, Jankowski was the best option available, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he was. And again, we just saw that on the Fox Sports side as Carter will flip this one in the air against lefties. He only hits .56 bingo numbers. And Arizona gets out of the first, and they'll be up to the bat rack at the bottom. So short outings, that's what we're keeping an eye on between Joe Mantiboy and Andrew Haney. They've, they've been really mostly relievers on that end because Mantiboy primarily a reliever, but he's getting a start. It's about not how long, but rather how short their outings will be. And we can watch that for Haney as Dane Dunning could be a piggybacker for the Rangers in the same way John Gray was for Max Scherzer. I want to say for Texas early, depending on how long Andrew goes. Let's say it's a couple innings. I'm concerned for the first six outs for Texas because he's been hit up a little bit. In the regular season, 10-6, and 4-15. In the postseason, his ERA is right at six. If Arizona's going to strike, the opportunity is to do it right away. Yeah, just like what the Orioles did. On Haney in game one of the AODS, where Haney stopped night or day, lasted three innings. And then Dane Dunney came in and helped them out. So I think that's what we will be watching for early scoring. Again, that's what I tried to throw out there between the YouTube side and the Twitter and the X space. As far as scoring updates, there's not going to be as much traffic in between the NHL and the NBA like it was the other day. Holy cow, the amount of overtime games that we had. And again, I did make a small mention of I was going to be interested to see what happens with the Arizona Coyotes and the Chicago Blackhawks, and then bam, eight goals. <laughs> I mean, and a hat-trick from the player that we wouldn't expect that much, Michael Carson, that fourth liner who's just getting onto the ice for seeing legitimate ice time for the first time. Yes. Fourth liner on that side, and a little inside track if you weren't paying attention to that game. Hopefully you can get some extended highlights. Not only hat trick for him, but two Gordie Howe hat tricks from two different players, and a goal and assist and a fight win. Incredible. 
Yeah, Liam O'Brien and Jack McBain, also <laughs> fourth liners for the Coyotes. So Arizona sports has really been having it nice this month. Yeah, it is nice to see on that side. Again, I think the one uh, trade that was made is uh, another, what, Cardinal was on the move, right? Joshua Dobbs is going to go to Minnesota. Yeah, he is. And, and even though the Cardinals, they're not really a good team, I can safely say that they're the best bad team in the league because yeah. they play with a lot of heart. Yeah, you got to have that. They're still waiting on Kyler Murray whenever that does happen. Minnesota, that was a move they needed to make. I know one of my friends uh, that I worked with texted me. He's a Niners fan. He said that they got Chase Young for a third-round pick, and I almost dropped my jaw. I mean, to just give up a third-round pick? It's the same type of return that Washington got in the Trent Williams trade. Wow, that's a big trade if Chase Young buys a strike. Absolutely. I think that could be good for the Niners. We've lost three straight games. So you got fastball slider changeup mix for Heaney. And it's an opportunity for the NLCS MVP, Cattell Marte, to put his postseason hit streak to 20 games. And it's probably a good bet if you're on that side of it. 1-1 is this is a changeup low. Make it 2-1 and one against Cattell. Cattell Marte, he's writing his name on the history books, continuing to do so after he had 19 straight last game. And there you go, 20 straight games with a hit, right on cue. <laughs> Always a good time to bet Cattell Martin any time if you're a betting man. We're not for the record, but this man continuing to do it, and I'm happy that he is really writing his name on the history books. Yeah, he's absolutely thriving, Alec, there is no doubt. Again, John Smoltz said this in the pregame for Fox I know it goes without saying, but when Corbin Carroll is having an off game, Arizona likely doesn't win, even though Cattell Marte is doing his thing. I expect a big bounce back in this game. He didn't do so well in the last one. Again, Arizona only had one run. It was in the eighth inning side against Aroldis Chapman. They got one run, and that was about it. Three for 13 in this series. They need this bat to get going. And they really need it because Corbin Carroll has been one of their young stars this season. And I love what he did with them during their campaign. 0-2, oh that was a hittable fastball. And sometimes when players are struggling a bit, he's not ice cold or anything. But when they're struggling a bit, they might take some pitches that they normally could get a good piece of. We'll see what he can do up against it 0-2. Oh Heaney maybe not even entertaining to throw over just yet. It's still 0-2. So just a slight disengagement for Marte, but it's always a risk if you're throwing at one of these young guys between Carol, Marte, Moreno, and Perdomo. Very clean jerseys for the Arizona Dimebacks per usual. I love those red blacks with the snake on it. As this is 94, and that would have easily punched out Carroll, but he gets to stay alive. My goodness. Yeah, friendly call for Corbin Carroll, but we all know the story about him. He can strike... But that time it was a low friendly call. That should have been a strikeout. Yes, absolutely. We'll get to see what happens again. And now Carroll obliges. He swings at a pitch outside the zone. And he's punched out. Just like that. So perhaps Andrew Haney was a little upset with the non-call on the last pitch. So he made sure to he, he, he tried to get Carroll to swing at it. That time he did. So for Gabe Marino, we had a couple games ago when he had a ridiculous at-bat and then hit a home run. 
If he can provide some of that protection alongside Christian Walker and get him going, Arizona will be in a good spot. Again, I know it's just Cattell Marte at first. We're just one out in the bottom one. We're just getting going here. But these are big at-bats here early until Texas gets into the meat of that bullpen side. And as Alex said, probably see John Gray, Martin Perez, and all of that. So if you're going to score, you got to score right now. And Heaney, the down-the-line foul, make it one and one. That was close to being a fair ball. It just needs to squeeze it onto the, in, the outfield, and, and that would be at least a double. If you're pulling it right or left and you have the gates on the back side, it gets a bounce there, and that's pretty deep in this field. You can easily turn doubles into triples, and Cattell Marte could likely score from first. As this is 94, that's a great pitch for Heaney. Make it 1-2. and two. In right place, right time for Andrew Heaney. And he's looking to continue his outing. He can be hot or cold, but so far he's starting off nicely. See what he does after the fastball right in on the outside black. It's one and two against Gabby Moreno. Looking at the sign a couple times for Marte. We'll, we'll use the disengagement again, but Marte wasn't going anywhere. And, yeah, that took a little too long to develop. That's how you gotta. If you want to use disengagements, they have to be fast and accurate at all points. Yeah, it wasn't really close. It wasn't really sure. Maybe. Heaney didn't agree with the signs there from Jonah Heim. That's more so what it looked like as he's now going to take a half step off the rosin bag and look to do it again. He looks a little bothered there for Cattell Marte and now finally locks into the sign. He's taking a long time here. They're lucky they didn't start that pitch clock early as it's down to five. Gets the sign now and this is slammed by Moreno. He was right on that fastball but just a little late. So even though it's just a five-game sweep between the NBA and NHL combined with the NHL getting two games, the Knicks are up 42-36. The Kings have the first goal on the Leafs, one nothing. That's going to be a big one for us to watch on the NHL side. I'll be very interested how that scoreline goes. Moreno still working his way through this at-bat, make it one and two. Again, for Gabriel Moreno's numbers, 284, seven bombs, 50 RBI, 33 runs, and 29 walks in the regular season. He looks to be an everyday linchpin for this team. Remember, he's just 23 years of age, and he's a catcher of the future of the Diamondbacks. And a good pitch for Heaney up in the zone. They got Carroll on it, and now they get Moreno. Two outs. That time Moreno took a try on it for the D-backs. <clears throat> of course, he's the catcher of the future, as you noted. And every passing day, even though he got punched out that time, the Dalton Marshall trade... It's looking better each passing day for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that one for years to come, especially if the Diamondbacks continue long runs into the postseason as they are right now. Christian Walker, again, as we noted, did get a hit in last night's game, but 2 for 21 with runners on, 25 left on base, and that's right underneath Christian Walker on that side. Hopefully that's not all on him, but my goodness, they need this power bat to come through. 1-0, and oh, and this is fouled on the left field line, 1-1. One one. Uh, okay, now I want to point out stats. that Andres Engel was the goal scorer for the Kings, and it was an awkward backhand for him. It's, it went off the stick of a leaf and then into the net. Longest active player without a goal in between goals. <laughs> Here goes the runner. A throw for Heim. Can they get the tag down? He's out. 
And Texas gets out of the bottom of the first with a throw out of Cattell Marte. Yeah, that's what I was pointing out. I was wondering if that speed from Cattell Marte would pay off that time. We all know about the base running ability for the Diamondbacks between Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, and all these young guys. But this time, Hyde was quick to the throw and was on target to Marcus Simeon. That's some good defense there for Jonah Heim. Again, that's got to feel good for him because Arizona, as Alex said, they've been running all over it with the exception of the Game 3 side. Jonah Heim put a stop to it with a really good throw. Again, Alec, I know you have the voice lessons and stuff, so I don't want to make you switch. If you don't have to, I can call this game or however you want to do it. It's fine by me, but I just want to say to everyone, Happy Halloween! <laughs> <laughs> Very good on your part on that side. Again, happy Halloween for everybody from me as well. It's a lot of fun. Hopefully it's not snowing from where you're at. Everybody, I'm happy that you're here on the broadcast, even on the delay in between the Twitter space, X side with Alec and I, or on the YouTube side as well. I threw a just normal question out there. We've got a couple votes already. I said time for predictions. After tonight, the World Series will be a 3-1 Texas lead or tied at 2-2. A couple votes in already. It says Texas is going to go up 3-1. That's what some of the viewers think. I just want you to know, that for those who are watching, what is your favorite Halloween movie? Hmm. I'm not sure on that side for me. I, I kind of like... I know they're they're stupid, but like the the Friday Thirteenth uh, like Jason movies. I don't know. They're just stupid slasher campy movies. <laughs> oh, you know, I know horror slasher is not my strong suit in my opinion, but the closest I've gone to watching a Halloween movie. Yeah. I don't know what how how does this going to be categorized because some can say Halloween, others can say Christmas, but the Nightmare Before Christmas. You know what? I think that's one that easily falls in both, and if anyone tells you otherwise, I think we can have a good uh, argument about it, because I think it's both. Yeah, I think it is both a Halloween and Christmas movie, but let's have it at that. Nice, nice work by you, Jonathan. Yeah, I would... Uh, I, I would say the mix is definitely there, and then if there's, a, if there's any other ones that I'm thinking about, I mean, I know there's iconic ones, like, you know, like the, just the regular Halloween movie or some of those, but I don't know. Again, I don't get into too much of the crazy uh, violent stuff either, so it's kind of, it's not really my thing either. If you ask me about Christmas movies, I think I might know a little bit more. <laughs> uh, we can get to that when the holidays come around, but nice dunk by Donovan Mitchell. So we have... If you want to take over here, you got Man or I can take over on this side, but Josh Young's at the dish. Alright, so you got Josh Young at the dish, and I know, I may be a little ahead, so 286 the batting average for Young, 3 for 11 this series, though. He's now right after the other rookie, Evan Carter. We do not have a runner. So far, heading into the second inning, that was the case last game, 1-2, as Young takes one down low. So... The question is about how many runs will we see from here from these two teams. We can see runs of plenty based on the pitching matchup. You know, it's interesting to me. I told you this yesterday as far as what was in uh, Rotowire's side. They had it at 9.5. They still have the over-under at 9.5 now. So 
Probably should have been less yesterday, but nine and a half might sound right today. And nine and a half? It may be a reasonable reasonable run total between these two teams as there's a 2-2 count. He's going up against Mantiply. Now here's the 2-2. John Gompers, and this will split the gap over the right field. Harvin Carroll running after him. Here comes John on to second base. It's going to be at least a double, and he'll stop at second. So the rookies continue to get it done here for the Rangers as they get an opportunity. And as you said, how long is the leash going to be for Mantiply? Because now you have Nathaniel Lowe that could provide the power, and Texas could get the first salvo of the game. And yeah, we, we talked about Nathaniel Lowe and how he's a, bo a boomer bust hitter. Mm -hmm. And when he is booming, he is booming. Now he has been recently cold, and, and he will look to get out this slumping streak and Lowe. When he is booming, again, he is booming, and he can offer home runs. Here's the first pitch, betting 2-3 and a first pitch strike as low offers on the curveball. Oh, that was a gorgeous pitch from Mantiply. Get a golf club for it. Yeah, that was a great pitch there on that. So again, the bottom of right of the tracker there. Mantiply threw 25 pitches now. We'll see how long it goes. It's around 40 or 50, we can put it about. Say a maximum of three innings. What do you think? I would think that is his upper maximum, yes. Yeah, I think the same too, John. The 0-1. Low offers, he fouls it onto the right. This may have went off the fences of the Rangers' dugout, but nonetheless, 0-2. And can you believe this is actually Andreas Englund's first career NHL goal? It took him 89 NHL games, dating back to when he was with the, Av oh, the Senators in the late 2010s. That's got to feel good. You spend that much time already, and you finally get a goal after all, all the hard work just to make it. That's a good job. Yeah, good job from Anglin, but now for Lowe, this is going to end his first point appearance. As he offers out the curveball, he's going to sit down at the dugout. So I know we'll talk about this, Alec, a lot, but 7-8-9 in the sort of look different now between Heim, Tavares, and Jankowski. There might be a spot that's easy to pitch to if Mantiply wants to be careful. Yeah, he wants to be very careful in these situations, especially when you look at this bottom, uh, this bottom three. Even though they're not batting at their best, you cannot count them out at any point between Heim, Tavares, and Jankowski. And, well, after 28 pitches, that does it for Mantiply. So let's see if they go to on the Rotowire side for Ryan Nelson. Again, he was listed as the primary, so that might be the opportunity, but it looks like Miguel Castro is coming out of the bullpen. So we'll see what that is in the sense of maybe the lefty, but it's both switch bats for Heim and Tavares. So we'll see how that works for Toy Lavoe's squad. I think this could be a matchup that plays over to Lavoe's favor if we're talking about a bullpen game as long as it can go through there but Miguel Castro we don't know what we, what we could get out of him but he was not too shabby last time around no he did fine but I think he's Alec he's someone you probably only want to use for a couple bats going into the inning and that's exactly what Lavoe is doing now what I mean by that is maybe get a couple extra outs before you go to the next inning he's not someone that's going to go very deep yeah don't, yeah, don't risk putting him deep for multiple innings, yeah, I'll go the safe route and say, get him for the final outs of this inning yeah. before you put the ne next guy in, say, Luis Frias or Andrew Southrank. 
I think that's probably the call. Again, it's anyone's guess for what Laveau's going to do, but we can tell you this, at least if the managers know they're going into a game four where it's a bullpen game, they've completely planned for it. My only question now for the Rangers is in between Perez and Gray. They might have some bigger linchpins that can go deeper. What's the Diamondbacks going to counter? What's Saul Frank's a good idea on that side? But uh, this could be very interesting when we get toward the middle innings. Yeah, once we get to the middle, we'll see about the relievers. Plus, when we mentioned about Andrew Haney, the best guess is that Dane Gunny could piggyback for Haney yeah. as the next pitcher right up for the Rangers. We don't expect Haney to go deep. We say three or four innings, four if Haney's really feeling it. Yeah, because it seems like when he gets past three and he gets to the order a second time around, that's where he gets in a little bit of trouble. So they're probably going to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, we and for both of them, they don't want to see any trouble rising up into the mound, especially in these situations now that they've surrendered their first hit of the game. So man supply has officially lasted for one and one for innings as Castro's first pitch way outside left. He throws a sinker at 96, can top it at 97 on, on his fastest ropes. Yeah, it seems like he does have some good velocity, but he can throw some mistake pitches, so if he can just get through the rest of the top of the second clean, they'll be in good shape. So far, it's been clean for Castro as he, well, not, not exactly, but as he throws a second ball, this one low. In this postseason, he's played seven games pitching, five and two-third innings pitched. The interesting part is we're looking through. Now the 2-0 pitch is coming soon as Castro surveys now delivers. And right inside, bottom right, beautiful for Castro. Interestingly, Andrew Selfrank has played 10 regular season games. He's already matched that total in the postseason. Yeah, sometimes for Selfrank, he could be good, but the walks especially too. So there'll be some things to watch in this game. Now, El Gastro gets high to foul to the left. So after a 2 count, he's, he's getting himself out of the little bit of a warm water to make it a 2-2. So, Heim 143 in the World Series, 296 in all the others in the postseason. Especially with runners in scoring position. Don't forget, Josh Jung is at second base, and Gastro is now at a full count. So, full count, one out, as this one way out to the right and if there's and we don't see a double play happening here most likely it's going to be a fielder's choice if, if we get the out yes and as a chopper to the right and indeed it will be a fielder's choice but nonetheless josh jung is that bird base he's in scoring position but now leone Tavares cannot sack fly no and it's a situation now early for toy lavoa's squad again leone Tavares. Probably has a little bit better of the batting average, and Jankowski, not so much the power. Do you even entertain walking Lodi here to pitch to Travis, or do you just go after Tavares? It, it's a 50-50 opportunity here, and I feel Gasto can second what I'm saying as, he's throw, as he throws a first pitch ball to Tavares, way out to the right, 1-0. Yeah, because you have a lefty-lefty matchup on deck in Jankowski, if that's the way you want to go. It's a lefty versus lefty and, and between Tavares and Jankowski. And even though Jankowski can throw with his, he's throwing with his right hand when on the outfield, this is a 1-1. Jankowski is hit or 
second as this one went low, so it's 2-1. Looks so far early here that Castro being a little careful with Leody. So back, back in Toronto, it's 2 nothing Kings, and Bree, they're going to call this a strike. This went outside inches to the right, but Castro gets a friendly call. We'll have to see if that continues. There's already been a couple of these in this game. And Urban's, and the umpiring has been in question throughout. And now Castro, I don't know what's happening over at the mound for the moment, but it's 2-0 L.A. Philip Deneau has the second goal for the Kings. Philip Deneau is always a good 200-foot player. I like his game. And oh, this went low. And here comes Josh Young. It's a wild pitch, and Young will score. A wild pitch brings in the 25-year-old rookie. Oh, boy. That is the last thing Castro wanted to do. That's kind of why I was wondering in a situation if you wanted to go after somebody else. But, man, he spiked that in the dirt. No chance for Moreno to even make a play on it. Yeah, even if he tried to throw that, it would be too little too late as Young was already going to slide home. And, it, and that was going to be the case if Gastro, even if he rushed to home plate to try and tag him out, it is still too late. Here's the free two, and Taveras will be marching on to first. So Jung scores Taveras to first, and Gastro will have to wait a little more to get the last out to second. Well, talk about insult to injury, my friend, on that side. If you're going to entertain walking Taveras, you could have done that anyway. He walks and the run scores. My goodness. <laughs> You tell me, John, because already you walked the best. But even though you walked him, there's already a run score because of the wild pitch. And the pitch before the walk as Jankowski offers up the first one. One for two this postseason. This is his third plate appearance. But he doesn't offer that same firepower that Garcia brings. No. But nonetheless, it's still next man up. Yeah, it is. And he can still hit for average, that's for sure. And Jankowski hits it hard right by Ruiado Pedomo, and that's a base hit, moving Tavares to second. Just enough of that, Jankowski. Third plate appearance, third time indeed, is the charm. Well, that's what I was saying with Castro on that, so I'm just a little bit concerned as far as how much you can use him, because, again, you put him in a perfect situation where it was just two outs to get. And he's putting himself on a tightrope here where this could get away early. He's got to make sure to lock it down. Yeah, one mistake, and all of a sudden it could be a 2 nothing ball game if there's a deep hit on a base hit. Otherwise, we could see 3 nothing if it's a double. Right. Semyon's going to foul to the D-backs dugout. And he got a pitch that he probably could have smoked on that slider, too. Yeah, that could have been on deep enough because Mark because Marcus Simeon he's liking those matchups. Kyle Nelson is warming up at the bullpen in the meantime as we speak. He'll come out for the third inning. Here's the one. And no offer from Simeon. Backtrack to the last second. One one as this one to the left. Anxious moments here early for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Castro's gotta make sure he comes through here against Simeon. I don't care how cold he's been, he's due to strike. Playing and I miss. And a change of an 89, this one was going low. Looked like a faster version of the curveball as this curved low. Perfect pitch from Castro. Now 
Now D-backs fans are on their feet waving their towels. It's a one-nothing ball game. And they want to be back at the at bat and eager to do so. And Simeon over the left field. And here comes Leone Tavares. He's going to score. Goriel having trouble picking it up. Jankowski too will score. Marcus Simeon on a triple. Holy mackerel. Here come the Rangers. I wanted to make sure that I got that out in front of it about Simeon. Because again, Castro's been so wild on that side of it that anything can happen, and Gurriel, again, we talked about that gating that I mentioned out there, that gets tough when it bounces, no chance for Gurriel to make a play, Simeon was running the whole way, and now Texas on the verge of blowing this open early. Yeah, I, I thought for the moment initially this could be a Diamondback sort of game, now it's looking like a Rangers sort of game, given the, the pace that this has been playing, their offense firing on all starters here in the second inning, and now they're blowing the doors open. A job well done by Bruce Boshi's team. And Gasto is not even going to make it out of the inning. This night is done after the second bird of the second. Again, Alec, I'm not going to sit and blame Troy Lavoe, but I think you and I both kind of had the idea of Castro in a limited situation. And again, we only asked him to get two outs in this part of the second. He could only get one. And I'm starting to hear some boos at Chase Field. And I don't blame the fans because I know they know what the stake is at this point. But that is a nightmare for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, nightmare scenario here in this second inning. Because if you're the D-backs, you think that this bullpen is going to come up as strong like they have been throughout this postseason. Because the bullpen has been their foundation of the team. Throughout, along with the st pitching staff, not to mention these young guys, Carol, Moreno, Marte, Perdomo, and, and of course, so reliable in such situations. But early on, from what oh, we're seeing here for the D-backs, especially Castro, this is looking like a surprise for, for us and not one that we expected from them. No, I expected runs on both sides. And if Arizona doesn't answer here, I know Cattell Marte got tossed out in their part of the inning, but if they don't answer in some situation, Texas might find a way to go ahead and take this game. And then let's look at it. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you have a, t a tomorrow situation with a potential 3-1, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter too much that Garcia or Scherzer is going to miss a game because with a 3-1 situation... I would be hard-pressed to believe that Texas wouldn't finish it off. Yeah, you could think the Rangers, they can win games. And it doesn't matter how they win games. They, they don't ask how. They're going to ask how many. Right. But usually, in this situation, I'm not going to ask how many for the Rangers. I'm going to ask how they will win this because they can win games by pitching this postseason. And they can win games by their high-flying offense. And so far, the Rangers win games because of said high-flying offense. Yeah, the high-flying offense, and then what you just mentioned, I'll piggyback on on that side. The pitching that we saw from the Game 3 end of it was incredibly impressive, especially from John Gray. For those that aren't paying attention, he's been absolutely ridiculous in the strikeout totals. And now you have a big cushion here for Heaney. This is setting up well for Bruce Bochy's squad. And finally, you have a Marcus Simeon that's 
looking that's finally finding yep. a stride in the World Series. Two for two with runners in scoring position after going two for 16 in the first three rounds. Now you have Corey Seager, who is clutch in these situations, the former World Series MVP with the Dodgers three years ago, with Simeon in scoring position. Can he pull through? Here's the 1 0. Set. Corey Seager's going to offer. Is this going to go the distance? It will bounce off the wall. Yes, it is. Five nothing. Texas. Garrett blowing the doors off the D-backs early. Holy. Well, I'm glad you got a chance to call some of this stuff. You might end up losing your voice if, fuck, the Texas Rangers continue to score more. That was absolutely tattooed. And that bounced off the batter's eye and gone for a home run. Again, Corey Seager on the first pitch. A little how do you do and a five spot for Texas here. Yeah, a little howdy neighbor if you're talking about <laughs> Texas because we all know that Texas is associated with Cowboys in the past. You remember the Dallas Cowboys NFL team name. And that's a good reference there for the past the Texas Rangers being named after the Texas Ranger Division, part of the police department they have over there. Yeah. I don't want to go too deep into that. It's Mitch Garver, who is 2-0, walked his previous point appearance. So all of a sudden, the Rangers have control of this game. I was going to say, you might have to call the police and ask to find where the Diamondbacks are right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would ask you about that. Now, Mitch Garver... On the third pitch, and mercifully, this is going to end the top of the second inning for the D-backs as Garver ground out to the left for Manuel Rivera, but not before Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager pull through with back-to-back -back scoring opportunities for the Rangers. An RBI two-run triple and a two-run shot. Well, Alec, I'll, I'll make the easiest comment that I can make. I know we'll both agree on this, but... That is why you paid the big bucks a couple of years ago to Simeon and Seager, isn't it? Yeah, that's why you get get all the money. And even though and yet the Rangers, they've had that on the negative side of throwing money at, at veterans in the past. Mm -hmm. This time, if they do win the World Series, they'll come out as the beneficiary of it. I'm going to use a cross-sport analogy here, and I, I hate to do it because I know it was in the Stanley Cup Finals and we saw it. Is this going to be a Vegas Golden Knights, Florida Panthers situation in this game? Because a five spot already against Arizona. Look, we know that they can score runs. They were shut down in game three. I fully expect them to score some runs against Heaney and the rest of that bullpen. But they need to answer with at least a couple here. Because if they don't, I think Texas is going to continue to score more. Yeah, if the D-backs don't answer... We expect the Rangers to run away with this game if this keeps on going. We've seen the Rangers run away with games previously, and we saw that at the start of the year. Even though we haven't covered baseball a lot together, we know that this Rangers team is bound to strike anytime, any place, anywhere. And here at Chase Field, this is exactly the case, as it has been at, at the truck, at Camden Yards, at Globe Life Field. And at the juice box. Yeah, they've been able to do it anywhere, as Alex said. All throughout the regular season, you only had a little bit of that bullpen low that caused them to not win the ALCS. They had to play wildcard baseball. Well, that doesn't matter. On that side, they win a ton of games on the road. 
This seems like, again, no disrespect to Arizona, it seemed like the best opportunity for the Rangers after their third appearance now to go ahead and win this World Series. Now they're doing it definitively, but the most impressive part about all of it is the way that they've been able to pitch, and they've just improved as the postseason's gone along. And again, when you think about next year, when Scherzer returns, when DeGrom returns at some point, you know they're going to make some offseason additions. This Texas team's going to continue to be dangerous. And yeah, let's not forget a name, some names outside DeGrom that we need to mention among the pitching staff for the Rangers. Ian Kennedy, Jake Odorizzi, yeah. Brett Martin. Kennedy and Martin are relievers. Odorizzi is a starter. They're all out for the year, and we're not expected to see them for this World Series. But the, something has to factor in about them coming back for next season as Chrissy Walker takes the first pitch strike. Yeah, that's a good point by you. The Rangers will have more relief coming in a spot that they really needed in pitching, so that's a great point. Yeah, I want to bring that up because it, we haven't gotten the chance to look at Odorizzi at all. He has been out since April 7th with arthroscopic surgery on his shoulder. 1-1 one, one to count. But I have to feel for Odorizzi because to see him not pitch in the World Series, it's got to be tough, especially since that he is out for the last six months. 1-2. Now here's the 1-2 throw. Walker offers, this is not even going to get past through the outfield. And that'll be a four-pitch sequence, resulting one up, one down. Well, he got uppercutted, and there's already a ground out here. How does Arizona respond in this game? There's so much time left, you can't just lay down. You can't just sit back, you can't just sit back and relax. Game four here, you're, you're down by a game, but with the way that you're... But the way that you gave up five runs in the second inning as Tommy Pham gets a friendly call. This one was on the top line, but it's a 1-0 count. Remember, he's six for his last day at bat appearances. Haney, oh, this one's right by through Jonah Himes' glove off of him, but not before it went down Main Street. Pham didn't offer, so it's 1-1. One, one. Tommy Pham, you don't need to second-guess yourself. Six of eight, three doubles, two runs in his last two games. Fab this time. Both rushing through is Marcus Simeon, Leonie Tavares, and Travis Jankowski. Tavares will say, I got this, guys. I'll take care of this. And so he did. Two up, two down. Again, we probably don't know if this is going to be a, a big deal or not, but they did show on the Fox Sports side that Corey Seager was a little ginger going to first base off the home run side, so we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, we'll keep an eye, eye on this on Corey Seager's side. But to see how much longer he's going to go, but oh, if this if, if he's going to be out for the rest of this game, you lose not only Garcia but also Scherzer and Seager. That could be rough for them. But I don't want them to lose Seager. Here's the 0-1, and this goes up high after Guriel did not offer on the first pitch. 1-1. Well, Alec, you can look at it in this situation. We asked how long will Heaney go. Well, now he's been given a five spot. I think his leash is as long as they want it. Yeah, it's looking more comfortable, but right on cue, Lord is going out. A line drive to left. It's a base hit as this reaches Evan Carter, and he'll take care of business so that Goyello will stay on put at first. 
And arguably now, for me at least, unless you're talking about Cattell Marte, the bottom of the order has been the most impactful for the Diamondbacks. Can they produce something here? Yeah, especially since this guy, Alan Thomas, he's batting 239, 4 for 13 this series, but he makes the most of his production late in games as Haney delivers one at the right line. No double play in the works here. One out ends this inning. One out. Now he get an up cam as Thomas swings and misses. So two for a nine batting average, but it's one one. Yes, it is. I have more people mentioning they got back from trick or treating and it's very cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is cold, and, and it is getting colder here in North Carolina where I'm at. And this ball blocked by Jonah High, so that will not get Goriel up and running. Two one. But nonetheless, it's ball two. Haney already 30 pitches into this day. Look at Merrill Kelly over at the D-backs dugout. A little look at the pool previously. And now it's a 2-1. It is offered to left field. Is this going to be a foul ball? This will have Thomas stay put at the home plate. So everyone's going to have to get back in position. It is a foul ball to left field. Thomas thought this was going to be fair, but it was onto the left side warning tracks. Man, he got a good cut at that too. He was just a little late. Yeah, ju yeah just a little late. I mean, just. But tomorrow we could likely see Zach Gallant and Nathan Avoldi, but we won't be covering that, that game. 2-2. Two -two. And this goes out with Jonah Hyde. He has to pick it back up. Ruiel thought about taking off and running, but he's going to head back to first base, seeing that Hyde was rushing back to the ball to pick it up. No wild pitch stolen base. Yeah, he can't afford that. He already had Cattell Marte thrown out in the first inning. Yeah, just remember, in my day, he was thrown out as he was caught stealing. Especially Hyde is well with as a really good defensive catcher. Now the full count throw. Is it offer to left field? It's going to be a fair ball. Evan Carter, seeing it the entire way, shuts the gates on Thomas and takes this to the bird. Five nothing Rangers. Well, only slight mess there for Heaney with the runner at first, but he did a good job managing that. And again, as we said, we'll continue to keep our eye on Seeger just in case anything happens there. But Heaney's done the job right now. He's got a big lead. Five runs, in fact, as Alec had mentioned, five runs on four hits, just two for the Diamondbacks. How long does Heaney go? Because we talk about how game narratives can change. You got a five spot, and in the sense, Bruce Bochy can do whatever the heck he wants with the bullpen situation now. Yet, yeah, it's got more comfortable if the Rangers expand on this lead even more. And if we can keep going on this lead, we don't even have to see Josh Spores or Rodas Chapman right. tonight. Yeah, and you know what that what that means with the two three two format, that means everybody's fresh for a possible World Series clincher tomorrow, and that would be the best music to all of Texas Rangers fans' ears. I wanna mention a name that's familiar to Texas Rangers fans. And, and I wanna go down south to the Houston Astros now that Dusty Baker's retired. Mm -hmm. A former Rangers manager's name has popped up 
in their next manager search. Ron Washington, who managed them to back-to-back -back World Series appearances in 2010 and 2011. He's being listed as one of the favorites for the Astros manager position. He could be another guy to me that kind of calms the storm of any narratives. But the thing is, all those narratives now are gone. Dusty Baker did a great job. They won the World Series on that side, and he was able to quell all the fires. Is Ron Washington the next guy they want to go to? Or do the Houston Astros want to, you know, they move on from Bregman maybe a little bit? But I think most of, most of that team will stay the same. Yeah, it's mostly going to be the same core, and perhaps, if anything, we could see much of the same managing crew. If it's not Ron Washington, perhaps an internal promotion. I think that's also a very good possibility. The one thing I would have said was Bob Melvin. I was surprised he went to the Giants and left the Padres. Yeah, that was the big surprise to me. I wasn't sure about the firing of Gabe Kapler, because... I thought that Kapler did himself some good favors over San Fran. Yeah, if I would counter there for Kapler for his firing and those that wanted, what was he supposed to do with that team? There's there's still a lot left to take care of there. Yeah, there's a lot to take care of with San Fran. It's, it's a long time ago since they last won a World right. Series, and they're far away from World Series contention. Playoff contention, they're there. But they need several more key pieces if they want to go back to the World Series. Yeah, because I know it seems like a lifetime ago for you know wanting to get Chris Bryant or Aaron Judge, but when they swung and missed on those, uh, I think that was kind of their main game plan, Alec, and then that kind of put them in a situation, well, we just got to play out the season and see what happens, and it looks like a rebuild is going to be in front of them. Yeah, it looks like that, John, for Fran. So Kyle Nelson, he's out there now. Miguel Castro did not do the job. He was only required to get two outs. Only got one of them and a five spot for Texas. Again, Marcus Simeon is ignited. Corey Seager, another first pitch home run. First pitch home runs have been a big deal in this game because back-to-back games for Seager, that was the first pitch home run that he had in both of those. So Evan Carter, for the second time through the order, it's a 2-1 count against Nelson. I want to know how much longer Corey Seager is going to go on the night because we he know that he got a little banged up. But if it's nothing major, we can see him still in this lineup. Yeah, if it's just a slight, slight teak or something in the leg, then he'll be okay. Road win streaks, nine-plus games this postseason one, nine-plus for the Texas Rangers. Last ten seasons, there wasn't one. It's a hop, and Walker will take it himself, one up, one down. And again, that's going to bring up Josh Young on that side. A little bit of adjustment there without Adolis Garcia. But if you would have told me, I knew there was run, going to be run scoring, but if you would have told me that Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer would now be out of the lineup for the rest of this World Series, but Texas would be up 5 nothing early in Game 4, I think they would take it. Yeah, they'll take it any day. No Garcia, no problem. They know about the mentality with Bruce Boshi. It's next man up, and they're playing it to perfection. And if I'm Bruce Bochy and I win the World Series, again, they didn't know how long he was going to manage, I think I might be staying around for a couple more years alongside Texas. Can't guarantee World Series as Jung gets a solid base hit and Guriel will have to play with the glove. You can't guarantee it every year for Texas, Alec, but I think we can guarantee that Texas will be a player in the AL West for several years to come. 
Yeah, don't forget about the prospect pool. It's deep and it's loaded. I love how the future holds for the Rangers. Yeah, it's amazing to me. Again, I know it shouldn't come as a surprise, but the hitting prospects that Texas always seems to have and find, it just seems like it's endless. When you think about teams that always have a lot of turnover, like Cincinnati or Miami and things like that, you get some high-caliber players. I mean, at one point, I think you had Giancarlo Stanton, JT Realmuto, and one of the Martes on the Miami side, and then they were all switched over on that end. But Texas does the same thing with hitting prospects as it's 0-2 against Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah, I want to bring up Josh Jung, Evan Carter in this discussion because they have came up and really have showed out, and not to mention Jonah Hyde who was mostly a defensive guy, but now his offensive prowess is broken up. And how about Adolis Garcia, who we repeatedly mentioned? Yeah, between the multiple DFAs or a situation with time where he was always solid defensively, but he's perked up offensively. So even the people that they bring in, and even the people that they have from the draft side, everybody just continues to improve. It's not just because they're young players, but they buy in, they figure out ways to hit, and they just add power and doubles and steal bases. I mean, they kind of do it all on the Texas side year after year. But here's the situation now. They've started to key in on some pitching. I thought the Jordan Montgomery move was fantastic. Nathan Avaldi was a great pickup. They're getting pitchers that you know exactly what you're going to get out of them. And when Texas provides the offense that they do, well, it's a match made in heaven, most likely. It is. And now... Chris Young is going to have to throw all his money on Jordan Montgomery in the offseason should they win the World Series, because he has to. He has to, Alec, and I think the conversation is going to be very short on that side. They're going to back up whatever truck they have to. We know Texas will do that, but he seems like he's got to be a mainstay in the rotation. 2-2, two -two, and Lowe will watch this one. Sail outside for a ball. Good eye. It's full count. Here's the... Upside that Nathaniel Lowe has is the batter with the hand-eye and where these pitches are going. He, he can locate those pitches, and there's the upside we've seen from him. 3-2, right back up the middle. It's whistled, and it's going to be back-to-back -back base hits, and it'll bring up Jonah Heim. And again, we talked about he was dropped a little bit in the order because he's been struggling in the World Series. If he breaks out at all on top of it, that will definitely replace Adolis Garcia, at least enough because this lineup is so good. But you have Tavares and Jankowski, who already have base hits in this game. So, Troy Lavillo is out there, and we'll see what they'll do with Nelson, if they're going to go ahead and make a move right now. But this is very important to get these outs, because this game's already getting out of hand, and Luis Frias is going to come in. Oh. Kind of cold here in Arizona, even though we talk about the weather yes. up and down. And November baseball will be on the horizon if we go past midnight like tonight. If the game were to last at least four hours. We don't expect a repeat of game one. But how Texas has been going back and forth on the offense, we could see perhaps at least four point appearances by each one of their batters of how they're doing. Yeah, I second that, Alec, on that. So it also raised you this. And maybe it's gotten cold in Arizona, but nobody's been able to cool off the Texas bats. Yeah, nobody really. And it's kind of a surprise for me from this bullpen because normally we would expect the D-backs bullpen to show out. But this is looking, this is looking like a surprise for us. 
I'll say this, and again, that's no disrespect to Joe Mantiply, Troy Laveau, or anything, but you kind of wonder if they could have had Joe Mantiply empty a little bit more of the gas tank. That's all I'll say. Yeah, we could expect that between Mantiply and the rest of them. That this, the bullpen, they, they want to get back on track later, later on, as this game goes on. Because right now, they're just not feeling it. No, and I'm, I was just kind of wondering, throw it out there, if Mantiply could have gone a little bit longer, but yet would it have really mattered in this situation as Texas already has fought. The only curious thing for me is Miguel Castro, but on that side too, when you think about it, Andrew Saul Frank, he's had some walk issues. Kyle Nelson has had an ERA of over four. That got ballooned. Frias, same thing, over four. The only guys that I've really seen that we can lock in on are Kevin Ginkle and Ryan Thompson. Paul Sewald, they only got to see him in one closing situation, and he blew a save. Yes, that's going to happen, but it's really just Ginkle and Thompson that have kind of been the lockdown arms so far in this series. And, they, and they're the more reliable pitchers in the bullpen for the D-backs, right, when you look at the bullpen. Because Thompson, Ginkle, you'll see those two as as the top two relievers for the D-backs because they've been lights out coming out of their relief for the others. It's going to be interesting now. Again, the score line's already well in hand for Texas here. we got a long way to go still as this is Frias. This is, oh my goodness, Christian Walker. That's a farce right there. He dropped the ball. Oh, it's going to sting any time he mishandles the ball. An uncharacteristic error by Christian Walker. Now, it brings us a situation where Taveras is up at the plate and looking for a grand slam, which would be the third for the Rangers in this postseason. They've only had one before this year, by the way. But what ha what, ha what can go wrong for the D-backs in this game has gone wrong. Oh, man. He is so sure-handed there, Christian Walker. He's one of those diamond-level fielders. That's as routine as it gets to at least get one out. Now, Leota Tavares with the bases loaded. If it isn't already over at 5 nothing in the third... This could absolutely be a disaster, as Alex said. Everything that's gone wrong could. And my question is this now. If your bullpen continues to get extended, at what point do you just say, I'm throwing a position player out there because you got another game to play tomorrow, and if you don't win this one, there is no tomorrow on that side. Yeah, it's as simple as that. If you don't win this one, your season may be over as soon as tomorrow. It's as simple as that. And you have to extend upon your bullpen. And this, this is not good for the D-backs. Yikes. No, it's not. I mean, there really isn't any way that we could say it. I don't know if how much you want to extend some of the other arms unless you're going way into the you know, back reaches of your bullpen, guys you never use that you don't plan on using. That might be what they have to do now and still try to find a way to score runs. Tavares will pop it foul. It's still 2-2. Two and two. The bases are loaded. Texas is up five, and they're threatening to go to a 3-1 series lead. We're only in the third inning with one out. I know the Rangers, they've been on a mission throughout this postseason to, to 
overcome the demons of the past. So far, they've been doing exactly that. It is a full count. Bases are loaded. Again, we are in the top of the third with one out. A walk would give Texas the sixth run of the game. What's running through Troy Lavoe's mind right now? Let's find out. It's a full count pitch. Frias got to locate. And Tavares, he could have walked. He swung, and he is out. With how the Rangers have been playing, I know Tavares wants to go after it. I don't blame him for doing so and trying to get at least six or seven on the scoreboard to get that up. He had the right idea, but a walk would have been more preferable. So can Frias get out of this? Again, if somehow they could get out of this with no damage, that would be ridiculous because it was a play from Walker that should have been made. Tavares swung at ball four where it would have been a bases loaded walk. Travis Jankowski already has a hit. He's in the bottom of the order right now. A, a base hit essentially scores two. 0-1. Oh, and Frias does not get the call. That was very close on a slider. It's 1-1. And that was a very friendly call for uh, for Jankowski. It looked very close indeed, but that should have been, and I mean should have been a strike. That was right on the line. Jankowski thought about it. This is going to split the gap, maybe. And this can't be picked up by Thomas. Carroll has to get it off the hop. Two run score. Texas, lucky seven. Oh, roll the dice. Got on the slot machines, and, and the Rangers getting all sevens. <laughs> you brought up the Vegas Golden Knights earlier. It may be looking more and more and more like that type of game between the Stanley Cup final between the Knights and the Panthers because it's looking more like game five if we were to go to that should the D-backs get at least, say, two or three runs because it's looking like this type of game already. I'm not saying anything mean again on this side. Again, I've, I've already said that a couple times. Sometimes you have games like this. You had the play for Christian Walker. You had the play for Alec Thomas there. Yes, it was a base hit for Jankowski. But the fumble cost another run. The defense for Arizona has been very shaky so far. And now Simeon launches. Deep left field. It is gone! I can say this many times, and the emphasis would not be enough. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Now we get Marcus Simeon, who finally has found his groove in the World Series. Now the Rangers doubling their lead in the third inning. How much more are we going to see? And how much longer until we get something from the D-back saying, No, no, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Well, let's say this. You know how in the movie Step Brothers, or you know how in the movie when you get a pillowcase full of candy for Halloween, and sometimes you fight back and you might hurt your younger brother or sister? That's what we're seeing right now. This is a beatdown. Ten. Nothing. And it's the top of the third with two outs. Marcus Simeon has already been on fire. Corey Seager at the dish. There is no mercy rule, but it feels like there should be one. Yeah, I feel baseball used to have a mercy rule. 
I don't know if they've gotten rid of that, but there should be a mercy rule. Arizona, again, we just mentioned this on this side. What bullpen arms are you going to use? Now I have to double down on that with Tori Laveau. You cannot use players like Saul Frank or Seawold or Ryan Thompson or Kevin. You just can't because you're not coming back and winning this game. Mercifully, again, we've used that word a couple times. Alec did once. I'll use it now. Double five spots in the second and third inning. It's 10 nothing as we go to the bottom of the third. Wow. Yeah, wow indeed. And wow cannot be said enough. Uh, I, I may put, say this again. The emphasis, again, the emphasis may not be enough. This may be not about who's going to win tonight, but more about how many runs the Rangers will score. It's turning into that type of game. Alec, I guess, from the uh, fun that we've had throughout the World Series in the first three games, maybe we were due one of these type games. I said that there was going to be a lot of runs scored. We both agreed on that. I didn't expect it to be so one-sided, however. I didn't expect it to be one-sided. You, you could say this could be a wash-rinse repeat of, say, say that there's an NHL team. Say that the first three innings are the first period. An NHL team scoring five goals in the first period. It's looking like that type of game. Yes, it really is. And again, on this side, I'm just making sure I get a couple notes in there, but I'm muting the mic so that way I'm not hearing typing on that side for Alec. But it's Marcus Simeon, just single-handedly here. Two for three, two runs scored, a home run, and five RBI. Corey Seager has a two-run shot as well. So Simeon and Seager at the top of the order have combined for seven of the ten runs today. And I'm talking about, about Adolis Garcia building a World Series MVP argument, but we won't have that case anymore. Now it, we may be picking Corey Seager primarily, but we have a case for Marcus Simeon now, with a, who has been perfect in the World Series with runners on scoring position. He's really turned it around here thus far, and I can't help but say I'm proud of him for turning it around at the right time. Here's another thing we can say on the bottom part of the order. How about Travis Jankowski today? He's already got a couple of hits. We've asked about how he's going to do heading into this game with the absence of Garcia. Now he's 2 for 2 in this game, and he's not showing any signs of slowing down. It's always about next man up, and Bruce Boshi has his players responding to the next man up mentality. It's that type of game. Well, here's the situation for me, too. I think we've hit all the buttons on the Arizona side, and I'll flip this over to the Rangers pitching. I've already mentioned once how long we think Andrew Heaney's going to go, and I mentioned the five spot. Well, now it's a ten spot, so I think he tossed free and easy. I think you're going to throw, you're going to see Martin Perez maybe get a few extra innings as well that he probably normally wouldn't in this situation. There is no need for Texas on this side to go go ahead and use some of their best bullpen arms. They got a huge lead, and I don't see any way that Arizona gets 10 runs. This game's already over. Yeah, unless there is some sort of miracle on the Seattle Mariners against the Toronto Blue Jays, this game is pretty much over by this point. Well, I tell you this, my game story is going to be very short on this side, and it might just be the second or third inning side of it. Luckily, there isn't any other sports 
to have to type up today because most teams like the Pistons and the Red Wings, they don't play till Thursday on the Red Wings side. So, yeah, it'll be a big concentration for this, but sometimes when you get games like these, there's just not much to say. Although, on the backhand side of it, as Rivera does take a ball up high, they've shown Waldo. Somebody's in a Waldo costume, so I guess there's that. Somebody's found Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh man, you kind of wondering anybody that's partying in that Chase Pool, Chase Field pool has got to be a Rangers fan at this point. Arizona, I'd welcome a base hit, I'd welcome a walk, I'd welcome anything. Emmanuel Rivera is at the dish again. Bottom third, Arizona's down 10. And that is not a typo on the scoreboard side that you're seeing or a mistake in any of our voice inflections. Andrew Heaney. 40 pitches into his day. You kind of think pitch count at this point, Alec, doesn't mean a darn thing. Yeah, his night can get extended from here. There's no need to pull him after three innings. And so uh, from there, you can roll any relief pitcher now after Haiti. So Rivera, this is a good swing, but it's picked up by Carter in left field. Showing Ryan Nelson now getting warm. Again, he was listed on the primary. It is MLB Rotowire side, but it was Joe Mantiply. So, again, this is the pretty much fourth pitcher going to be used for Troy Lavoa's squad. That's a nightmare situation because, again, you have a game to play tomorrow. And as Alex said, that puts you in a combination where Zach Gallen, where Merrill Kelly, even if Merrill Kelly's not scheduled, it's all hands on deck tomorrow for Arizona. It is. All hands on deck. Anyone is available by this point because you're in a situation where you're facing elimination from that point. And honestly, I wish we could cover that game. Say that if we were both available, yeah, we'll be coming to this game quick. But instead, this has been focusing on Bruins Maple Leafs on Thursday. Yeah, it does. I, I think that might be a complete situation where uh, it's it's going to be done. I mean... If we don't get a miracle outing from Gallen, if we don't find some combination with Kelly, Miro Kelly has been astronomically good on this side for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Could he do what he did in Game 2? Probably not. He doesn't have that same type of rest on that end. But that is what they'll need. And yeah, you're right. That's going to have us focusing on something on the Thursday side. And I agree with you, between the Maple Leafs and Bruins, that might be something to look at. I'll unfortunately be away up until the weekend side, so maybe we can figure out something then. But I don't blame you, because I don't think this series is going to get extended that much. Marte, he is going to continue his parte, but unfortunately his team is down 10 runs. He's going to cruise in with a double, so the Cattell Marte experience is live and well. But where's the rest of the team? I mean, he's the only one that showed up for... The D-backs so far tonight. I want to see the rest of them stepping up. Corbin Carroll, Gabby Moreno, Eduardo Perdomo, anyone, anyone, please help them out because this feels like a nightmare sequence dating back to when Mate was on that 100 lost team. Jeez, this is awful. Yeah, this is beyond wildest expectations. I guess the positive, if you've hit the You've hit the over on nine and a half runs, but it's all Texas right now. <laughs> yeah, it's been all Texas. 
and certainly by how they're playing, this is a well-earned win for them if they hold this 10-0 lead-up. Yeah, this is a, essentially a victory lap inside, as we mentioned, in between the Vegas Golden Knights and Florida Panthers as we went sports cross-reference there, but that's immediately what comes to mind when I see these types of games. And in baseball, we have these games in the World Series where there can be a lot of runs scored, but even when there is, and I remember the Houston Astros in the middle of a couple high-run scoring games, they were going both ways. This one's not. Does Carroll win the race to the bag? No. They say Andrew Heaney gets a piece of it. Good job by the pitcher to get past the speedy Carroll. And Arizona goes quietly. We'll take a short look at that. Does he get his foot? Yes, he does. So 10 nothing. Alec will take over, and uh, we'll see what happens for the rest of this game. I may be interested to know, because it's a 10-burger, and I know the Rangers fans, they'll be happily eating, uh, happily eating that win burger when they go, if they hold this up onto the ninth. But, man, that's a good, that's some good work there between Nathaniel Lowe and Andrew Haney, beating up the speed of Carroll. We know what he brings of his 50-plus stone bases on the year. And runaway and a rookie of the year front runner. But that time, Haney beat, and Lowe beat him out on the one-two punch. By the way, Arthur Kalia for the Kings makes it free nothing. The Leafs, however... Or on the man advantage as Trevor Lewis will sit down for two for interference. That is uh, good for me so far on that side because we know Toronto is going to be running in the Atlantic Division and uh, the Red Wings, they've played more games than everybody else so they'll be off until the Thursday side. So if the Kings can get a big win over Toronto, that will be much appreciated by me early in the season. I want to stay on the topic of Toronto and their next opponent, Boston, who they'll be facing on Thursday. I'll get some coverage of them. As, as the last game before I, I go on to Charlotte to run a, the 5K on Saturday at the Charlotte Marathon. And I want to say this. For Boston, they'll be about Charlie McAvoy for the next four games as he is suspended for an illegal check to the head of Oliver Eggman Larson. The thing I want to say about McAvoy is that he actually made illegal kicks in the head twice in that game against the Panthers. The one on Carter Verhage was not penalized at all, but the one on Edmund Larson was. Well, that just kind of seems boneheaded by Charlie McAvoy in a way then, Alec, because he's too good to find himself in a situation to play like that. You don't want to get rubbed off on by Brad Marchand. You don't, and you don't want to get Marchand right under your skin if you're Toronto. Yes. You know what these two teams are capable of, and even though Toronto is down, you could expect a, some sort of a bounce-back effort on Thursday, but that's easier said than done. What I want to know is when Tyler Bertuzzi is going to break out, because he only has three points on the year entering tonight. Max Domi has four. Keep in mind, these are the two new big free agent sightings for the Leafs. Yeah, they are. And as I mentioned before, Tyler Bertuzzi's money was all in bonuses. Those are already paid to him on that side. So if they wanted to move on from the contract situation of the deadline, they could. But he gets to keep his $5 million. And that's for one year only as well. Mm -hmm. one on Mitch Garver. This one, not even close for Ryan Nelson. He is the new guy 
on the mound for the D-backs. One of two Nelsons on it, the other being Kyle. 29 games, 27 starts, but he's been demoted to reliever here. 1-1 one, one throw, and Garver does an offer on it. He gets a friendly call, as this looked to be on the bottom right corner, just on the line. But otherwise, it's 2-1 to count. Numbers for Ryan Nelson do not look very good right now, and it's already a 10-0 game. My goodness. Depressed is mainly the type of game that goes to Rangers' favor as it's about right off the tip of Garber's bat up in the air, 2-2. Yeah, the only thing good for us on this, Alec, is we're not going to have to deal with extra innings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the good news on that. This breaking ball heads to the dirt, curved it over at 80. And perhaps a bad throw ball there from Nelson, 3-2. It seems that Waldo has left behind the plate. Right now, since his head went up, and Carver swings and misses. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't get a run or a hit, but at least he gets to find Waldo. Yeah, he's nowhere to be found because he went back in his car and went home. Well, uh, uh, that's that's what we can explain it, John. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have to do that when we get to score lines like these. We're both professional as it comes and prepared, but sometimes we get games like these, and uh, this is what you have to do to entertain yourself. Yeah, about Waldo. Well, we talked about Waldo and Halloween all game long. <laughs> now Evan Carter, and he'll, he'll join Waldo too. Two down, two down. Yeah, I mean, for Texas... Again, you don't want to get into bad habits. I understand that for Bruce Bochy's squad. But you know this game's probably over. We'll see how intense their at-bats are today for the rest of the game. Yeah, ten, ten runs. You think, you say that they'll do enough damage for it. But for the Atlanta Braves, when they faced the D-backs, they had 13 runs. But it wasn't enough as the D-backs had 16 in that one game, just as Josh Young fouls to the right 0-1. Body language in a game like this, I know, says a lot. It's just one game, but I see a lot of disappointment in the Arizona faces, and for good reason. But you have to remember, it's only the top of the fourth. Yes, anything can happen in baseball. Anything can happen here. So there may be a slim, and I mean very slim, right. possibility of a comeback, but time is of the essence. So the assist on the Calia goal from Kevin Fiala and Quinton Byfield. That goal came on the power play. Kings lead 3-0. Here's the 0-2. Jung is going to fly this up. Chasing after his Alan Thomas. He's going to spot at the warning tracks. That'll end the top of the fourth. So no runs, but not really much of a problem for the Rangers. They hold a very, very comfortable 10-0 lead. Again, we'll just go back to the point that you mentioned yesterday about Joseph Wall and him getting some opportunities for Toronto. I know the LA Kings are a good team, and we've kind of went back and forth on P.L. Dubois, and I agree with you on that side, but we know their offense is good. But for Joseph Wall, you want to see some time, an 11 out of 14. You hope that he can improve on that as the game goes along. Yeah, we hope, hope that he improves along the course of this game. Because 
You can make the argument that Wall is the least best goaltender based on but it's a small sample size that he had last season. Right. But it, it looked like he was the team's best goaltender during this season between him and Ilya Samsonov. Plus, with Matt Murray on the LTIR, and his timetable says six to eight months retroactive to the announcement of the injury. We don't know if we're going to see Matt Murray, but he hasn't really been back to his rookie form. Right, and we probably won't because of the cap hit situation and all that stuff. Because, I mean, Toronto's up against it right now, so they're not even going to want to deal with that. So I would think in the situation, Samsonov and Wall, those would be the guys going forward. If we ask Brad Tree Living to make some moves at the deadline for the Maple Leafs, I'm not even sure they could anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure if, if Brad Tree Living will be as aggressive as Kyle Dubas was last year because... Cap space is at a premium in a flat cap world. You get Ed Tyler Bertuzzi, you get Max Domi, you you get John Klingberg. Plus, with, with Jake Muzzin and Matt Murray on the LTIR, and Connor Timmons is, is there as well. If at any point Timmons comes back, we don't know if there's going to be someone dealt because I would believe that Timmons getting activated would put the Leafs over the cap. Yeah, there's going to be a lot to do, not to mention what they also signed Ryan Reeves as well. So, And he got a pretty good uh, cap hit for what they signed him for. So, yeah, I don't think there's much that the Maple Leafs are going to be able to do. And as you said for Bertuzzi and Domi, those are the big boys that they signed. They're going to need them to contribute. I understand you got Austin Matthews, Tavares, Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner. You already got big names, but they still need secondary complementary goal scoring. It's about time that they'll get it between Bertuzzi and Domi. Yeah, yeah, they need this, and quickly, because seven combined points for the first eight games of the year, not what you would expect from both Bertuzzi and Domi when they came over to Toronto from Boston and Dallas upon last year's deadline. Yeah, because they play with a bunch of talent around them, so there's no way I would expect them to struggle at all. I would not expect that. This is a, that's the last thing I want to see from them, just Gabby Moreno. Takes the plate, 1-0, as this one goes to the left. Between the Knicks and the Cavs in the meantime, the Knicks lead, lead 88-76, this is Moreno. Takes strike one, this one just along the line at top left corner. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, 19 each in the second minute of the fourth. And out of 1-1 from Haney, this goes low. The leading scorer from either of these teams is neither Randle nor Brunson. It's actually Donovan Mitchell, 26. Uh, Spider can get it done. We're going to wonder how good Cleveland's going to do going forward. they got championship aspirations, but can they ever reach it is the question. And, yeah, and even, even so, they, they haven't won a playoff series without LeBron James since the 90s. Right. So 3-1 after this breaking ball for Haney. Now this one, Moreno's going to walk. This goes outside, top left corner by an inch or two. Well, there's the uh, quintessential no-no, if you will. When you have a 10-run lead, you might as well just throw it down the middle of the strike zone. You can't afford to walk anybody. Yeah, you can't. And even if it's a 10 nothing game, don't walk anyone here. Now look at Alex Laferriere. There's seven penalty minutes in his first career game. And this is a fair ball! Batted to the left field line. Moreno on his way to third base. He's going to park his engine there. It's a double. 
uh, Christian Walker. Again, maybe the scoreline's going to perk you up a little bit, but again, it's good to see. This has to continue for the Diamondbacks if they want any hope for tomorrow's game. It, it did something. If they were to have any hope for tomorrow's game, and just out of the reach of Josh Jones, he almost got it. Just almost got it. So if I'm Andrew Heaney, I could say this. Like I can safely give up maybe three or four runs. But if I'm Bruce Bochy, I'm starting to get that bullpen warm right now. Just to make sure if things start to get a little crazy, I'm going to make the quick pull and go to the reliever. The either one of Dane Dunning or Mike Dean Perez would be good for that, for that spot. To your point, John, Just we have a now meeting between the pitching coach Mike Maddox and Andrew Heaney. Perhaps we may be getting the tail end of Haney's night, so it should get the bullpen warmed up here between Dunning and Bears to see which one goes out. Yeah, and I think, it's, like you just said, that's a good point for Mike Maddox to come out there and the pitching coach, and they're going to start to buy some time. This is a very strategic mound meeting here. We know exactly what we're going over here right now. You want to make sure Haney doesn't absolutely make a mess of the situation. you got a 10-run lead. You can safely give up a few, but you get everybody else warm, like we said. So good mound meeting. We'll see what happens here with uh, Tommy Pham. And Pham has been electric. This boy six fours last night. Had a run in the last two games. We was six fours for eight between games two and three. Haney's going to take a look. Throw number 56. Pham is going to foul it to the right after the ball one. So one, one is to count. So in the meantime, Dane Dunning, who kind of reminds me like my first college roommate, is at the bullpen warming up. Doppelganger look-alike, you're saying? <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> now to 1-1. One, one. This goes outside left. Change up at 82. Gonna keep a one eye on Haney's pitch count. He's at 57. So here's Bam. The former Mets. He's paying attention on this 2-1. Outside left, 3-1 now. Fastball 90. Don't want to get into Grand Slam territory if you're the Rangers because that could get the game right back on track for the D-backs. Haney surveys and now delivers. It's the 59. This is going to be fouled to the right, so now it's a full count reading room for Haney. Surveys options, just as Christian Walker takes a few steps out from second base. Here's the full count throw. Delivers perfectly. And Tommy Pham, no offer at it. Haney gets the burn KO in this fourth inning. Wow, that's a clutch, clutch strike out there. Again, we know what the score line is, but make no mistake about it. Runners in second and third with no outs. And you take a fastball right on the inside. That's a good pitch for Heaney. Yeah, right on the inside at bottom center. Ten out ten times it is a nice pitch. And, and to get Pham to not offer it. Here's Lourdes Guiaz Jr. now. Who's up at the point. Takes ball one. Had a base hit in the second. But you can imagine it's going to be a long night for the D-backs. The rest of the way they don't, don't get anything here in this fourth inning. They have runners at second and third. And Haney is waiting, and now delivers 1-0. And Goyal is going to drive it to the right field, but this is 
to the right of the foul pole. So, 1-1, one, one, now the count. He's going to need to get a little more power from that purple hair, turn it into gold like Goku, and try to get a home run here. Yeah, and don't forget, there is a double play that is in play. They were to get runners out at home and third, if that is the case. 1-1 one, one now, 63rd throw. And this move going out a little. This wasn't close to him, though. This went upstairs, 2-1. Griel does have the power, as you mentioned. You could have a situation where there was runners on bases. could be some outs. We'll see what Griel does. It is 2-1 with one out. 63 throws for 80. The pitch counter being a watch here. And Griel is going to get this over to right field. Jankowski was not faced by it. But this is going to work as a sack fly for Lourdes Griel. So one run for the D-backs. Two outs, though. So they found a way to score a run, but they still need nine more to tie in the bottom of the fourth. Yes, and that brings in Gabby Moreno. He was at third base, but now you cannot sack fly anymore if you're Alec Thomas. Yeah, for as much as he is, the, the, bottom, the bottom order of the D-backs lineup, the 7-8-9, is really slowed down here in these last two games. The first yeah. row, it was way out. Slider 83, though, but Hyde had to dive to his left to catch that. Yeah, and it's interesting because I praise the bottom of the order a little bit for Arizona, but yet it's the Travis Jankowski inserting the bottom of the order for Texas that's done the damage in this game. And a lot of it. Jankowski 2-4-2, two two, and he has been... The only like is Adolis Garcia, who he is filling in for. Pitch outside of the fastball. This went upstairs 2-0. 92 on the throw from Haney. Perhaps this could be the last inning for Haney before we see Dane Dunning for the first time. Yeah, I very well could be on that, said Alec. I think it's a good call. We'll see if he can get out of this. Yeah, Dunning is continuing to warm up. And this is offer, but this is going to be Marcus Simeon taking care of business. Thomas is going to sit down along with the rest of the D-backs, but not until everyone gets back in position over the defensive side. We go over to the fifth, 10-1 in favor of the Rangers. So and there was opportunities with no outs and runners in second and third to get a Tommy Fan punch out, a sack fly, and a ground out there. So Andrew Haney, he did his job today. One run, four hits, one error. That's the Sideline, all he's responsible is for the one run and the four hits, so good job there. I know he's had a lot of offense to work with, but if we said that he would only give up one run through four innings, Texas and Bruce Bochy would take it. Yeah, they're going to take it any day of the week. You give up just one run and to not give it up in the fourth inning, and to have a game like this, ten runs, absolute masterclass by the Rangers, both offensively and, and the pitching area. Yeah, they've been perfect on all accounts. Again, we talk about some of the stuff in the bottom of the order. Well, Texas had the advantage right there. But another big story today, five runs in the second, five runs in the third. Marcus Simeon has five of them by himself. Corey Seager with a two-run shot. And then Simeon with a shot to left center that scored on a three-run from Jaime and Jankowski. It made it 10 nothing. Before Guriel just did a sacrifice fly to right, that scored Moreno that Alex just called to make it 10 to 1. So it's been all Texas, 10 runs on 8 hits. And it's been 
everything going Texas direction. And, and, and by the pace of the plane, I don't want to, I, I don't want to pry about this, but if they can keep this up, they can blow even more doors open. I'm not expecting it to be a 16-1 game like that one Red Sox-Yankees game in the playoffs, but anything is possible from this point forward. Yeah, it is. Anything's possible at this point. As far as tomorrow as well, I think that's kind of more along the lines of what you're talking about. If Texas is doing this, this makes you have supreme confidence. If you're a Rangers fan in the uh, hashtag, go and take it. It's very possible that they do that tomorrow at Chase Field. They're going in and taking it. Like what their hashtag is saying, perhaps in the game board they're doing so. And game five, the opportunity is really there for the taking. So, I know, we're, we may yeah. go off topic from here on out to focus on everything else because, or, or have some little humor thrown in. Like, because of all Waldo, I want to have something else in. Say, the Rangers win this perhaps little party at the pool if they win the World Series. Yeah, they're, they're going to have some fun. They might take the trophy in there tomorrow on that side, the way that this is going as well. So it's uh, been that type of game. Alec Nava has been kind enough to be able to stick around with me in a blowout such as this. We will give you scoring updates, although there is not a lot left to do in the NHL and NBA today. But again, I'm going to go back to that Knicks score. I know they're 1-2 and two on the season. They look to be 2-2, two and two, but I will say this. When you think about... Julius Randle, again, Mitchell Robinson's pretty good on the defensive side, but Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, at least the Knicks are really back to respectability, and it's nice to see them actually play some uh, meaningful playoff games at Madison Square Garden, because Jalen Brunson, honestly, he's kind of been a revelation for that team. Yeah, ever since he came home from Dallas, we wonder if that playoff outing from Brunson was just a flash in the pan, or if it was a sign of things to come, but how Brunson's been playing, it was a sign of things to come. The Knicks offered him the money, and he gladly accepted it and took it, and he's playing up to that contract. Nice work. Yeah, he is, and a lot of the times you can talk about that. That really doesn't work out. We do have a trade that we have to discuss, and I'll get that when we get to the commercial break, because I was shocked when I saw the uh, James Harden move for what would happen. I'm sure we'll have a discussion about that once we get the break. Nathaniel Lowe, he will serve this one left field side, but... I believe Russell Westbrook's still going to be there for the Clippers side, so it'll be Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. My only question is, we know what James Harden's going to do and what he's going to bring, but is that going to provide any playoff success for the Clippers? Because that's all they really care about. Yeah, my big question is about with James Harden and who's going to come out on top as the, as the victor of this trade. But with how Harden's been behaving... Throughout the past few years, I'm not so sure if what's going to transpire off the court is going to be a distraction on the court. Perhaps if what, the, what has been transpiring with the Nets and the Sixers may be, I feel a little iffy about yeah. the Quickers here. I do, because when you think about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, we know what they can do. They're great players, but they're always injured. You bring in James Harden, he's going to play more games, but he's an MVP that's already been traded four times in his career. So that tells you that his stay is not very long anywhere that he is, and he wants to run the show 
When you got players like that all the time, it gets other people upset. I'll just leave it like that. We'll see what happens for the Clippers. Nathaniel Lowe, he's going to sandblast this one to deep left center field, but Alec Thomas underneath it and makes the catch. It's one out on top of the fifth. Not like it's going to matter much anyway because the Rangers, they have this game on cruise control based on the second and third innings unless the D-backs have some sort of a big, and I mean big, bold, underlying, italicized, all caps, big response to the Rangers. Yeah, all, all caps with a Comic Sans font that everybody hates and a whole bunch of exclamation points and emojis. That's uh, all, all you need right now from Arizona. And uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point. Jonah Heim, this off the knob of the bat, make it one and one. And I know the Rangers, they've been on cruise control. There's no need to pull the starters right now. But they preserved this big lead. Preska pulled them in the later innings, see? Eighth or ninth inning, so that you can give your udders some confidence. So you say maybe now for Dane Dunning, when we get to the bottom five, that he might go three innings or more? Three innings at, at, the, mo at okay. the most, in my opinion. Yeah, three innings or more, because the game is pretty much in control for the Rangers. Yeah, I would agree with that. You want to make sure that you don't have to use all the other arms, because as Alex said... You're going to have more extra rest for guys like Josh Forza, Roldis Chapman, and Jose LeClerc. you got a huge lead now, so you have a chance to finish it off tomorrow in the 2-3-2 format. Unfortunately, we won't be here with you for that side, but if this series does get extended, we will see you on Friday. But I have to tell you this, I don't really see this series going past Friday if it doesn't get a win tomorrow. Yeah, if there's nothing on the D-backs front tomorrow, we don't see this going to Friday. Ten runs, two outs tonight. Second most in the World Series all time. So the Rangers had taken advantage of whatever they need to. Again, two five spots in the second third inning make this a 10-1 game. It's been academic the whole way. Rivera makes the catch. Texas goes quietly. They haven't gone quietly all game pretty much. But it's 10-1 as we go to the bottom five. Diamondbacks need a lot of runs. I want to go off and look at what is going on in the NHL and ESPN. I want to wonder what costumes Steve Levy, Mark Messier, and P.K. Subban are wearing because this has me a little light smile on my face. Anything good on that side, make sure you point it out to me. Yeah, between the Kings, Leafs, and soon to happen, Preds, Canucks, Knicks, Cavs, and the other game that's on national television, as I'm going to pull up the NBA box scores, there are only three games in the NBA. One of them has the, the other nationally televised game, the Suns and, and Spurs. And then there's the Clippers and Magic. James Harden will not be playing. No, he's not playing on that one. And for Phoenix, there's no Booker and no Beal. So it's Durant and Wimbanyama. Yeah, those two will be the stars of the show, and... With the Knicks and Cavs game coming to an end, yeah, the Knicks have this one under control, so they can put the others out onto the courts. The Knicks, they, they're going to win this one-handedly. 19 split between Randall and Brunson. It's not too bad for the Knicks there. Again, for the Cavs, I understand it's early, but that's a good win for the Knicks to get. They will go to 2-2. Two and two. The Cavs will fall to 1-3. and three. 
on the young season. Again for San Antonio, I don't know how many games they're going to win, but anytime I do see the Victor Wimbanyama highlights, it's kind of amazing when you see a guy, what is he, seven foot four? I might be undervaluing him a little bit on that side, but uh, being able to shoot threes and move like a guard and score in the post, and he's doing all the damage he's doing while the team is still learning how to play together. So he really does have a lot of talent. A lot of talent in him and a, and a really bright future down the road, not only for him, but the Spurs. As this young core develops, even though my favorite team is a rival to Spurs, my question is if Wemba Yama is going to develop and, gain, and put some weight on as he enters his peak. That's what I want to see from Wemby. It's not the same player, and I'm not making this comparison, but I want to throw it out there because... There's one player I loved on the Rockets. We didn't get to see him play very long, but it was Yao Ming. And when it was being that tall, unfortunately he went through some injury concerns. I hope that's not the case for Wimbanyama. Yeah, I hope not for as great as Yao Ming was back in his heyday. And I wish I got the chance to watch his highlights because I haven't seen much, but he was that good in his peak. He was. Shaq said he was one of the hardest guys he ever had to guard. That's a supreme compliment. Andrew Heaney is back out there right now. And again, it doesn't come as a surprise to Alec and I because it's the fifth inning. So, look, we're in a situation now we just brought up to you with Dane Dunning. You can go Heaney Dunning and then maybe try to figure out something for the ninth and then there you go. That's already your pathway to this game. That sounds pretty good for Bruce Bochy. Heaney's going to throw a 70th pitch against Emmanuel Rivera as it'll be 8-9-1 in this bottom five. This game has been academic for a long time now. As this is picked up for Josh Young, no problem as he makes toss over to first, one up, one down. So, just a slight work being done there, and just a simple game plan now for Boshi, and what we were expecting to be a bullpen game. We were expecting this for both sides, and I thought this was going to be runs aplenty, and it was runs aplenty for the Rangers, it was. We didn't expect this type of outing. No, if if Alec and I were being completely honest on this side between the Twitter space and the YouTube side, we could have imagined a 10-1 scoreline, say, okay, 11 runs, but you know maybe mix that between a 6-5, uh, a 7-4 type of thing. Not 10-1 Texas at this point as Perdomo takes a ball. Yeah, we want to be expecting this, but if anything has taught us anything, is that Bruce Bochy is a master of these situations of his World Series winning experience back with the San Francisco Giants. Yes, he is. And in this situation, for as easy as it is, I'll just tell you this. If Alec and I were in the uh, bench coach right now where Bochy is, I think we'd be chewing on the sunflower seeds and uh, chewing bubble gum as well because there really isn't much left to do right now. It's pretty much going to be Heaney and Dunning, and we'll see what happens at the end of it. You can put in anyone in the night if if they're, they're, if, if Dunning's night goes to say six to eight innings, mm -hmm. the six inning to the eighth inning. You can put in anyone, say one of your others, say Chris Stratton, Will Smith, say these two could, or or possibly even Brock Burke. Yeah, you're leaving everybody fresh. And on the side, I know we already mentioned Sports Chapman and McClurk. But they've already had a game where they didn't play. This will be the second game they probably don't even play. So you know that they're going to get complete relief on that side and just be ready to go for most likely a winner-take-all game tomorrow. So again, Heaney's got a couple walks in a situation where he probably shouldn't. 
But he didn't really bite him because when it was runners in second and third and no outs, it was just a sack fly from Wardis. But Catal Marte, he's at the bat rack again. It kind of feels like he's the only one given that supreme effort so far. I've got a chance to get yet another hit. He's two for two. He's looking for that hitting hat trick. 79 mile an hour slider is hits up a single and a double. 353 in this postseason with two bombs and 11 RBI. If it wasn't for all the stuff with uh, Dolis Garcia, I think more people would be talking about Cattell Marte as sort of an MVP situation. This is a great jump, and this will be picked up by Lowell. Calmly step on first base. That'll move the runner over in Perdomo. So not enough time for the double play, but likely not going to matter much anyway for Nathaniel Lowe. They're just doing things business-like, as we would normally say with the Vegas Golden Knights. Business-like. Yeah, it really is right now. Corbin Carroll. We found Waldo. We need to find Corbin Carroll here on this side. 0 for 2 with a strikeout and a ground out. Again, his numbers aren't all that bad, but they really need him to percolate at this point. Not because this game is way out of reach. But Corbin Carroll's had a couple games where he's been quiet, and when he's quiet, they mentioned it in this pregame, Diamondbacks don't win. So that's a situation that's got to be corrected for tomorrow. It's probably too late for right now. 0-1-1 is the count, two outs, and Carroll will put this right back to Heaney. Easy toss over to Lowe, and the Diamondbacks go quietly after five. It's 10-1 Texas. The last thing I want to know is where... It's starting to have roads being frozen. I can expect that somewhere in the northern parts up in Canada, even in the north right. side, say the Yukon or the state of Alaska. But the d bats may have been frozen cold here right now. It's, it's this Amazon commercial up in the freezing cold. And perhaps, fittingly enough, because early winters arrive with this cold front. Yeah, whatever it is, they need to make sure they open the roof in Arizona and let the heat in right now because Arizona has been completely shut down. Again, we talked about it in games one and two, and I thought we hit the narrative correctly. What was Texas going to be able to do to slow down the Arizona bets? They seem to play the better of the two games, but yet Texas, again as we knew, went to a 1-1 series tie heading into Chase Field. Well, Alec, they found the answers here in Games 3 and Games 4, and they look to be taking a commanding lead with a chance to win the World Series tomorrow. Yeah, indeed. They have figured out the D-backs and slowing them down and taking away what they do best, the speed game. But their outstanding defense and playing up to that lockdown defense on the D-backs between Adolis Garcia, who we won't be seeing, but without him, They've been putting up amazing numbers. We wouldn't be expecting this with him gone. I thought this would be the D-backs taking it. But but now, it looks like it's a Rangers sort of game between Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, and everyone involved. Travis Jankowski and everything. So now we're getting some signs here of a, the MasterCard stand-up to cancer movement. I stand up for... Yeah, and he had the names right down of those who are fighting for on some form of cancer. Again, it's a disease that has plagued a lot of family members across the entire world, and it's always nice to see when they do this every year, try to get that 
stand up for research and all the names and it really kind of hits you in a soft spot on that side so it's good that Major League Baseball does do this yeah, it's really heartwarming yeah I stand if I were one of those bands standing and they're standing up for someone who's fighting cancer I'm standing up for those who are fighting it and I stand up for those who lost the battle to cancer and that makes me think six years ago and we lost an announcer to bile duct cancer. Rest in peace to the late Dave Strader. Yeah, Dave Strader, former Red Wings side on that, when I think about that as well. And even in this game, when you have Nathaniel Lowe, or Nathaniel Lowe's mother on that side, alongside for uh, his brother on that, from the Tampa side. So there's a lot in this game as well. As we're going to get into the commercial break, we're going to be heading into the sixth, where Alec will take over and we'll completely... Move on from this between 6th, 7th, 8th, and nine, as we have. If we do get to a situation where there is a Game 6 on Friday, we will see you then. If it does end tomorrow, I'll make sure that I have some type of small write-up. I do have some plans with the misses that we already have some previous obligations. So I will be gone for a couple days, but I will get that write-up up, and then Alec and I might either figure out something next week, or maybe I'll get a hockey game in on Saturday if there isn't anything going on. As far as the next week's side, I do have to go back with the Waterford Sharks. They have a home game on that end. If Alec and I do work next week, it'll probably be sometime early. I'll have to look through the schedule right now. It's probably a good time to do so during the break for the NHL side if there's anything that maybe catches our eye on a Tuesday or whatever day like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm looking over at the NHL suite. I'm looking a lot at the Boston Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs. I know the Bruins, they're off to a surprising start. And it's very ridiculous. And very ridiculous that they have racked up 73 wins already since the start of last year. Not even kidding. 73 in the regular season. How is that supposed to happen? I'm not sure, but that's how good that they've been on that side. And that's... Despite losing Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, and the wheel keeps on moving, and for anybody that wants to say their schedule has been easy to begin the year, we can agree with that, but also, you got to win the games that are on your schedule, and the Boston Bruins are doing that. As far as looking ahead, I know this would be, let me make sure I get this correct, on the Tuesday side, November 7th, I see there is a really good game on TNT, if you were available on the Tuesday side, maybe Devils and Avalanche, that one will be at Ball Arena at 10 p.m. Eastern. We got to look at the Devils and Avs before last year in what was a goal-scoring battle yeah. when, yeah, when Nikita Schmieden used his Anunen were the starters. We could expect that the, the mainstays would be at, at the crease this time around between Alexander Georgiev and either one of Schmidt or Vitek Banachek, we just don't know about the decision that Lindy Ruff is going to make. So I'll be in contact with Alec. We'll try to figure out something early in the week, maybe Monday, Tuesday, on that side, and see what we'll do. If not, we will just finish off the rest of this game, and then we'll figure out maybe something on the weekend. But first shortstop did three home runs in a single World Series is Corey Seager. They showed Simeon. They have Jankowski at the bat. As Alex said, everybody's doing the job. Yeah, everyone is doing their job. And between Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, who are a combined 5 of 14 this <laughs> World Series, and Simeon is finding his stride here. He'll be next in the order, just as Jankowski takes balls one and two, opposite Ryan Nelson. And this could be 
a long night here for Nelson if he keeps going as we're into sixth inning. 25th pitch for Nelson coming up. Here it comes, and he throws a third pitch strike. So he locates his own. Her time is the charm. Yeah, and again for Jankowski, small sample size in the postseason, but four for five. So he's been able to seamlessly fit right in on this side, and now Simeon's awake. This spells trouble. Well, now have a free one count for Jankowski. So we all thought about World Series MVP perhaps going to Seager, but now Simeon's making his case. Yeah, he's going to at least try to make a case at the end of it for sure, but if it doesn't go to Adolis Garcia or Seager, I'd be surprised. Jankowski's going to ground one to Made, just simple throw to Walker, so 11 outs left for the Rangers. Man, it's got to feel good when you're playing a game like this. I don't care what type of sports we all played, whether it was high school, middle school, or whatever. But you have a game where you feel like you know the outcome's already there and you're just waiting for it to end. That's got to feel good. Yeah, if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, yeah, especially in Game 5, just yeah. as Moreno is going to rush after, he's just going to step back. We don't know if this ball hit the netting, if anything, but with how Moreno looked... It didn't appear to hit the netting, so that brings Simeon out. On the first pitch out, up comes the most dangerous man on this Rangers order. Yeah, that's a good play from Moreno anyway. As you said, I was looking, I just got the replay there. It didn't bounce off the netting. He just stays with it, makes the play. And now you get that man, Corey Seager. My goodness. Yeah, he's, even though he's one for free, he can do it. And he, and he brings his value on both ends. And he's been popping up at, on the shortstop position, both defensively, but especially on the offensive side. The Dodgers have been used to it, and now the Rangers get a taste of his medicine. 1-1 after this foul ball, but it's amazing what he has been doing. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but every time I see Seager, they always show the home runs for a shortstop and everything he's done in meaningful games. You're looking at a Hall of Famer, probably. Perhaps the first foul Hall of Famer. As Sager is going to foul it, and perhaps, I can say this again, I can, can say we call him the, the best shortstop of his generation yeah. after yeah, after we've seen the Derek Jeter in the last two, the two or three decades. The one, two, and Sager's going to sit down. So that brings the Rangers to their last night out after, night out after Sager swings and misses. And soon to come, the Predators and Canucks, they, the, the puck drop is going to come soon. That's too bad on my TV that I can't do some sort of split screen with this uh, 4K streaming stick because I feel like we could still call the game accurately on that side. Hey, I'm very impressed for the Vancouver Canucks to start the year 5-2-1. and one. This seems like a very winnable game against the Nashville Predators today. Yeah. I may have remarked this previously, but this feels like a toss-up game where it can go either way. You can pick either of these two games, and I don't want—I I would not be wrong between either side. But I think the Canucks, in my opinion, would have an, a sort of advantage over the Predators too. I, I'm with you, John. Look, I, I'm looking at the stats right now. I didn't even realize Thatcher Demko's numbers is as good as they are, but three and two. He's got a, a shootout win on that side, but he's 396 save percentage with 191 goals against. 
And Yusei Soros, 4 and 4 for a 249-915. So he's out dueling Yusei Soros. And Vancouver's defense, as you mentioned, they've been a little bit hit and miss, and they're still banged up. So for Demko to kind of stand on his head and for Vancouver to score goals the way they are, I am going to take the Canucks tonight. Yeah, I'll take the Canucks too, so I'm with you. And for Vancouver's side, normally you would expect Carson Soucy to be on a bottom pairing because that's his typical bread and butter. He's been getting paid to be on the team's second pair. It's not too bad on that side then because you know that you're going to be able to at least, what is it, in the first pair now, it's probably Quinn Hughes and Philip Heronik. Yeah, it's, it's most likely going to be Hughes and Heronik, yes. Yeah, so Philip Heronik was a guy in the Detroit Red Wings that could score a lot of points, but you weren't sure if he was a top-tier D-man. But when you pair him with Quinn Hughes, you're probably in a good situation. Yeah, that's a one-two offensive punch. There's, yeah, the Kings, they're on the power play again. They almost scored on another one just as someone may have got tripped up. I don't know if this is going to be a penalty against the Leafs, perhaps a 5 on 3 but Kevin Fiala is on an eight-game assist streak. He and Pierre Dubois have been outstanding chemistry-wise with one another. Hopefully, Pierre Dubois is happy where he is right now. I'd like to see him stay on one team and continue to provide his services. Yeah, because the Kings need this on the offensive side. And this may be the goaltending that they need from Cam Talbot because we have a lot of questions about their goaltending. But Talbot, so far, he's providing that. Do you think it's sustainable for Talbot and Phoenix Copley? We don't know. But as mm -hmm. far as it goes, we could leave this up in the air and say, and I'll say maybe yes, maybe no. As Dane Duddy, he's out on the mound, throws two strikes as Morano offers on the second one. as one that he should not have had because this one was going towards the dirt. Here's the 0-2. And that time Morano does not operate it. 1-2, but that second pitch was not even bound to be hit at all. Yeah, sometimes when you get the score line where it is, you're just a power hitter and you want to go for the downs. But uh, Dane Dunning's going to realize that he's a crafty veteran. And reliable here for these Rangers as he throws ball two. So four pitches into his night, filling in for Andrew Haney. 2 2. Doesn't mind a thousand. And this went nearby a fan. And, and to have these balls swung nearby towards the. And towards the mesh, and you're right nearby that baseball. Oh, you could see your eyes flash before you. The 2 2 again. This is grounded to Josh Jung. He'll make quick work of this. One up, one down. Yeah, again, you talk about the mesh and the netting. Again, several years ago, they didn't have that in this situation. Thank goodness they have that stuff now because you have to keep your eye on the baseball at all times. You got it, yeah. Just like you have to keep your puck on the eye at yes. all times because it can come out to the crowd at any point through like watching hockey except it's with a field and it's played onto, on the grass or turf. Yeah, very apt comparison because the baseball has and the hockey puck has that same type of speed. Can Christian Walker get another hit? He's sprayed a couple over the last couple games, but can he find something to feel good about to carry into two tomorrow? 
So Walker did not offer it. He did not get enough of that to beat just the cross. He fouled the first one, but it's now a 1-1 count. The D-backs, in, five, in their five losses, they have just four stolen bases. In their wins, 17. <laughs> that's a stat that's worth repeating, and I'm glad that you did, because that's what Diamondbacks baseball is all about. It's hard to steal bases when you can't get hits and get on base. And they're going to check his swing again for Walker. They said he, he went. So 2-2. Two, two. Fans don't like it because they think they saw something different, but he just got it across. But the stolen bases stat tells everything that has to be in known. And four of those stolen bases in the loss came from game one. Yeah, right. In a game, in a situation where you thought they had that one until they didn't with Corey Seager and Adolis Garcia. Yeah, it, it was close for them, and it was close. And, and you can say that this would be a 2-1 series lead for the D-backs had it not been for Corey Seager and Adolis right. Garcia. The full count. Walker offers that this is going to go to the right field racing, and it's Jankowski. It bounces to the ground, and it's going to be a base hit for Walker. So there's something to talk about for him. Where's the same for everyone else outside of him and Cattell Marte? That's the main question, Alec. It's been completely radio silent for the rest of the team right now. I mean, it feels like they're, it feels like they're all getting ice cold. Like, like that cold front is approaching. Yeah, and you get that, and you get November baseball tomorrow on that side. So, Texas, again, the cold has not been able to slow them down. It's been all Texas pretty much throughout this entire postseason, and they're trying to take this all the way to a World Series trophy. Yeah, for the Rangers, you got to imagine that they're going to hold this up. Now, Dane Dunning's in a, an uneasy spot, as this was a tough way for Josh Jung. But he threw it over to Nathaniel Lowe. The throw was not on time. I got to tell you, Alec, I know they got good speed on there for Tommy Pham, but for Josh Young to have the cojones to pretty much pick this up and barehand it and throw an absolute strike, if you didn't have that type of speed there, he would have been out. That's a pretty good play for Young, though. Yeah, it's a good play for Young. Yeah, even though he didn't get, he didn't get Tommy Pham out, it's an A for efforts. Yeah. Lourdes Goyal, first pitch strike for Dunnius. Goyal stared at it the entire way. So a first pitch strike, 0-1. And the Leafs have scored in the meantime. It's John Tavares, 3-1 King still. And this one, a friendly call for Goyal this time. This one's at bottom left, but they're going to roll this ball one. Runners on scoring position tonight. The Rangers are four for eight. The D-backs a complete over. Missed on all four their opportunities, and this is going to be a double play opportunity. Will they get out of it? Yes, they will. This will end the sixth inning. Tick tack toe between Seager, Simeon, and Low. Man, oh man, Alec, you gotta wonder. If that was Arizona's last best chance to scrape some runs together and try to get back into this game. But the combination of Simeon, Seager, and Lowe do it yet again. And they have come up on defense and they have come up on offense. They've been the two-way players that they needed and they rose to the 
occasion on the night. And job well done between them. So we're underway between the Preds and Canucks. And I like these throwback uniforms for the Canucks. Going back for the 1994 uniforms when they went to the final. Those are the ones that have the black and the gold mixing it in between? Yeah, black, gold, and red. And yeah. the Canucks skate logo. I like those too on that side. I know some people don't like the Canucks uh, Orca logo on those blue jerseys, but I kind of like those ones too. I think the Canucks have some decent unis. They do. Yeah, and I, and I like the Canucks Orca uniforms as well. I find those to be one of the more underrated uniforms yes. in the league. Yeah, I, I just don't understand the dislike behind them. I'm glad that you say that, because most people think I'm freaking crazy when I mention that, but I I think those ones look clean. I was happy uh, yesterday, and again, I know you called it live on that side when the Wings won. I was happy to see the Wings wear the, wear the red on the road. I haven't seen that in a minute. Yeah, very rarely do you see the, the home jerseys being worn on the road. Sometimes it happens because the, the team that's wearing, the team that's at home, would wear a different jersey, perhaps a special jersey for such an occasion. Right. Perhaps the Bruins wore one of their special jerseys, their Centennial uniforms. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the uh, Centennial stuff for the Bruins. I think that was at the 100th anniversary this year on that side, so they changed the B, but only a little bit on that side. But again, if they continue to play the way that they are with these jerseys and that logo, I don't think you change anything for next year. <laughs> yeah, and... and Perhaps the confidence that Jim Montgomery needs as a head coach. I know the playoffs and the blown 3-1 lead were a wake-up call and perhaps a learning experience for Jim Montgomery, sure. if you were to put it at that. He pressed more right buttons in the regular season. Just remember that, and he's carried it over. He's still a great coach. Let's not get it twisted. I think that's very well said, Alec, and that needs to be said because a lot of people will look at that stuff in the situation for Florida. That was a hell of a run for them. But Boston did a lot of the right things, and for Boston to come out and do what they're doing as again, as said, without Krejci and without Bergeron, I mean, who expected this? Again, you talked about the regular season totals just a couple commercial breaks ago, but Boston has been one of the best teams in the entire league. Yeah, they're back like they never left, especially now that they said that Matthew Potras will stay on the roster for the rest of the year. And I love what this rookie's doing with the Bruins. Yeah, he's been unbelievably good on that side. So very cool for the Bruins to do that. And you know what? That also puts you in a situation where you can put Pavel Zaka in a better spot going forward. Because if Patras continues to do that, you might see him on a second line at some point. Yes, you surpassed Charlie Coyle on the depth chart. Not to mention they have another rookie, Johnny Beecher, on the regular team. Now, after he spent so many years at junior or in the minor leagues, now he gets to see an everyday NHL team. That's what I've heard. Those two guys, Potras and Beecher, have that type of ability to be top-end center material. And if that's exactly what Boston was missing in the two departures, and if they get that back, oh my goodness, considering, because they already have the best goaltending tandem in hockey when you have Swayman and you have Olmark. Yeah, just as we're in the seventh inning here in, in between Arizona and Texas, but not to mention about their top defensive prospect, Mason Lorai, who came out of Ohio State in that upset over Matthew Coronado and Harvard. Yeah, so the prospect pool keeps on coming. Mitch Garver will go ahead and take a seat. 
he punches out on the one and two when it's one out here in the top of the seventh. Again, Arizona will get set to stretch soon. I'm sure they've been stretching their legs for a long time waiting in the concession stands because it's 10-1 is the score line. Ryan Nelson, three and a third, four strikeouts. So the one, I guess, silver lining for Trey Lavoa's squad. He's been pretty good in the bullpen, but this is kind of mop-up duty. That's not what Arizona expected in this game. Again, Alec and I mentioned that there was going to be a lot of runs. We nailed that. We knew that that was going to be an easy button to hit but not so one-sided as Carter takes a ball. Yeah, we didn't expect this type of game. We could expect it to be a little more competitive between these two to have runs aplenty. But not with the way, but with the way Arizona's been playing, you don't win games like these. One, as you have, you have one run scored, and you usually would need an outstanding effort from your pitchers if you were to win one nothing. Yeah, and you were never going to get that in a game like this when you were going for openers and spot starts in a bullpen-type game. And we were wondering who it was going to favor. Well, it clearly favored the top of the order as they've combined for seven runs and Simeon and Seeger on the side of it. Cody Bradford is the one getting warm. So essentially now you can use him for the rest of the game if you'd like to, at least for a couple, depending if the day is done for... Dane Dunning on that side, almost tongue-twisted myself. Josh Young, double, single, two-run scored, 305 in the postseason with three bombs and eight RBI. As he's continued to provide everything for this offense alongside guys like Evan Carter. The rookies are getting the job done. And you got to make sure if you're the rookies and everybody else, remind them how hard it is to get back to the World Series because for as easy as it looked, it's too early to only want one of these in your career. You want to taste victory yet again. And, and that feeling would never stop. It, it feels like an addiction. Like The moment you taste victory, yes. you don't want to have it stop. I completely agree with you. I'm glad you said that because that's how I feel about it. You work really hard to get to the situation you are, no matter what you do in everyday point in life. And that's what the precipice is, victory and your ultimate goal. And once you get it, the whole thing is to try to do it again. It's not about just uh, sitting on your laurels. It's continuing to improve, and that's what it's all about. And that's what the Rangers are definitely going to do in the off season. You know they're going to make some more ad additions, even if they win it right now as soon as tomorrow. So, low. will swing at the first pitch, hit it hard, but Lawrence Curiello is right there. And the Rangers get turned away with a runner at first. We'll see if the Diamondbacks have anything left in their final lineup, 7-8-9 due up. Speaking of anything, well, here's a name that Blue Jackets fans are going to remember. Liam Foody. He's now with the Predators as a waiver claim. He had a penalty shot. Even though he didn't make it, press some, something good for him to get an early penalty shot in his Predators tenure. Not too bad. Liam Foody's got a lot of speed on that side. I saw that uh, Cody Glass is injured, the former Vegas Golden Knight uh, prospect for the Nashville Predators. That kind of stinks because he's still a young player that I think has some potential. Yeah, I would love to see him continuing to develop over at Nashville. I feel the Predators have done a good job in developing their young guys between Glass, Luca Vandalista, Tommy Novak, and now... They had their Liam Foody at their disposal. I almost forgot to mention Yuso Parsonen because Parsonen has developed himself into an everyday fixture on this Preds lineup. Yeah, when I'm looking at this, because you mentioned those names, and I'm looking at their lineup, 
it's impresses me for what they have. I don't know. They're probably a borderline playoff team. I think we could probably be somewhere around there. Maybe not any more than that. You still got you say Soros, but it is uh, Kevin Lincoln in, in net today on that side against Thatcher Demko. So you feel like you should have the advantage on that side. But the one thing that Nashville always does, Alec, is how the heck do they continue to draft all these defensemen and develop them? It, that's something they've always been good at. Roman Yossi, Dante Fabro, Alex Carrier, and, and, you, and just recently Spencer Stasny and Jake Livingstone got some looks last season. And they've been all right for what they've offered for the Preds. We're not seeing them right now for Nashville, but these, this team is looking like a young-ish type of team that has a decent future ahead of them, at least. And, and not to mention about... Yaroslav Skarov and him potentially being a nice 1B if Saros gets to stay. Yeah, to mention all that, the goaltending's always been good. You go from Pekarene to Yusei Saros, you had Shea Weber and Ryan Suter, you had all the defensemen that were just mentioned now, with Dante Fabro across the board and Roman Yossi. If I am anyone else in the scouting department, I'm going to be a fly on the wall for Nashville's defense. And I'm going to ask how they get it done and take lots of notes. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah the foundation of the Predators franchise has been through the defense. And that has always been the case there. But going back to this penalty shot, Foodie kind of slipped, got back on his feet, up from his knees. So a little bit unlucky on the penalty shot. But now it's a 4-1 game in Toronto for the LA Kings. John Tavares scoring the power play. He says from Mitch Marner and Morgan Riley, but that was answered by Adrian Kempe from Ajay Kopitar and Quinton Byfield. So the top line for the Kings is coming through. Adrian Kempe is somebody who's always very dangerous. I always keep my eye out on him, and he scores in big-time moments. He's a player that I really like. I love watching Adrian Kempe whenever he plays for the Kings. Whenever they go and play against either the Penguins or... The Hurricanes, I, I look to him because he's perhaps the most electric player on that, that team that I love watching. I would agree. Bradford is the new pitcher here against Alec Thomas. 7-8-9, part of the order for Toy Lavoa's squad. They're down to their final nine outs. They've been up against it from the word go in this game. Texas is absolutely dominated here in this game four. It's a shame that we can't bring you game five because you feel like it might be done on that side, but I'll get a delayed write-up or anything else at this point. We'll see whoever's left at Chase Field right now. It could be mostly Texas fans as Alec Thomas continues to try to fight things off. It's one and two. And I look back for Alec Thomas. I know about the home runs in games three and four against the Phillies, but it feels like the Rangers haven't figured out throughout this World Series. This is a jam shot foul. Yes, you're correct on that. So they've figured out the Arizona Diamondbacks up and down that order. Alec mentioned for the amount of stolen bases. Even in game one in the loss, where you felt like they should have won before they fell to a home run from Seager and Garcia in extra innings in the 11th in that electric game one. But they played first really two good games in this World Series. And then after that, it's been all Texas. And have been able to swing the narrative back around. Alec doesn't offer at it here, and Alec Thomas make it 2-2. Two two. For him, to have him slowed down in the midst of things, 
not characteristic of what he would be like because he brings not only speed, but when he sees that bat he likes, he's going to off-run it. Hopefully this didn't hit. Oh, well, we can't say where it hit. Luckily, you wear a cup if you're playing sports. That's where it hit Alec Thomas, and he's going to need an extra second here. The rally caps won't relieve the pain on that one. Oh, it looked like it stung. It hit him right into you-know-what. Yes, <laughs> the, the worst possible spot that you can be hit at on these sides, so... Alec Thomas will take a couple extra beats, understandably, as the camera's cutting away, understandably. They get a sting sighting for uh, Halloween. That's always fun. Oh, always. If you follow, <laughs> yeah, if you follow wrestling at all, you'll recognize uh, Sting's face paint as I think this was just a foul ball off the umpire. Now, my goodness, we are getting some tricks and not treats. Uh, yeah, it feels like if it's Halloween, the D-backs, they've been getting more tricks, and the Rangers, they're getting all the treats. Like, their basket is getting full of candy, like Milky Way, Kit Kats, all of that. Make sure you mention all your favorite ones. Are you going to go with Milky Ways and Kit Kats? The Milky Way, Kit Kat, Twix as well. My man, Alec Nava, is kind of the same boat as me. That's what I would list, as it is... Uh, Swing and a miss from Alec Thomas. And we have a dumb and dumber sighted cameo. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear in the house as well. To infinity and beyond. Just where the Rangers are going. That's pretty good there. Good costumes that they're showing on the Fox Sports side. It's a good laugh relief from a game like this. As this is picked up. For the right field side, Jankowski will take a couple steps before the warning track. Make the catch. Seeing some more Halloween costumes around for Chase Field. We got someone wearing a Freddy Krueger hockey mask. We got someone dressed up as Bengal Tigers or two of them. If someone dressed up as Luigi and another as Toadette. And I, I, I wonder how many player guys are wearing Halloween costumes just as Waldo has returned. Yes, he has. Again, I, some of these costumes that we're seeing, it's a good job. The only one I would give the X mark to is the person that has the ghost with the hole in it. I mean, that's the most least creative thing you can do, is it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, but I would rather ha have something that's more creative. Say, I, I dress up as Harry Potter. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, if you're going to go over Halloween, try to dress up and do something. Don't just put a sheet over your head and call it done, as it's one and one. As this has popped up here, Perdomo, is this going to bounce in between? They try to make a catch, and does Jankowski get a piece of it is the question mark. Somebody grabbed it over there. They're going to say he did. What a catch from him. He slid they're going to say Jankowski caught it while sliding. Wow. But in a blowout game, I can't help but say, did he just do what? Travis Jankowski has been one hell of an insertion in this game. Not only is he two for two, he was almost colliding with Marcus Simeon. Understandably, they're trying to find a way to catch a shallow fly ball in right field. And he makes a sliding catch. So, so much for Adolis Garcia. It's the Travis Jankowski experience. Again, next man up. Yeah. And Jankowski is responding in kind to that, those words 
from every, everything. That's the most common saying whenever someone goes down. Garcia down, Jankowski up, and he has responded to the next man up mentality. I love what he's providing. That is absolutely a ridiculous catch. If it wasn't the scoreline that it was, I think it would be getting much more fanfare about it because, honestly, that was one of the better catches that we've seen in the World Series so far. So Alex going to take it through the 8th. I will finish off from the ninth. This game has been long over. We'll give you a scoring update as far as the hardwood side. I'm going to look and see what the Phoenix Suns are doing. So Kevin Durant's got 8 on 4 or 5. He's got the trigger locked and loaded earlier. Eric Gordon's getting a start. He's got seven. Yeah, I've seen Eric Gordon get some starts before when he was back in his Rockets days. Was named a six-man of the year in 2017, in the one year when the Rockets had their breakthrough back in the James Harden and era. But Eric Gordon, nice to see him still put up these numbers, nice and strong, coming over from the Clippers. That's yeah, amazing. I had to double-click on his profile and check his age. I'm 36, he's 34, but I do remember him coming out of Indiana. He's still getting it done, whether it's a six-man or starting. He's had a strong career, regardless. I can definitely say that. We do have some wars between the Kings and the, and the Maple Leafs here. A little scuffle, but is he's been solved, or is it? Max Domi was in the middle of it, and so was Kevin Fiala. That is interesting. Let us know if we get any updates on that side because uh, there can be some fireworks here. Toronto doesn't want to get blown out in a game like this, but we did mention the LA Kings offense is very, very good as well. Yeah, yeah they've been rolling. You know, what seems to start this is that Domi sort of cross-checked Fiala, and Fiala didn't like that. Okay. He wanted to confront Domi about it, and it was a little light scuffle. There wasn't a fight, if anything. One thing I've noticed here in the box score side of it, again, David Camp, five shots, six for Nylander, four for Tavares. They've held Austin Matthews to two shots and a minus one. So one of the best players in the league getting shut down a little bit. You know that's part of the game plan for Tom McClellan's squad. That's good work. Yeah, good work for McClellan and getting the defensive game plan to focus on the top guys. So, deposit for the Leafs, William Neuander extends his point straight to eight games. Go ahead and take off the eighth here. I know we've been mixing in between all of this because of the scoreline, but we'll see if Arizona can do anything. Yeah, yeah but we must know because it's deep into the game. You, you could imagine that perhaps some of the relievers could come in, but Jonah Hyde is going to sky this to the right field. He'll get a solo shot. And to add insult to injury to the D-backs, it's once again a 10-run game. Jonah High striking with precision. So that's got to feel good for Jonah High. And the only thing he hasn't been able to do is provide the bat. But he absolutely smoked that one off the top of the grating in the right field side. He got a hanging breaking ball and he didn't miss it. And the only ones celebrating that are the Rangers fans in attendance. We don't know if this is going to be an empty crowd later on, as with Minute Maid Park, but that doesn't look to be the case. There are Diamondback, there are Diamondbacks fans in attendance watching the rest of this. We don't know if they're going to stay for the duration to of this, the rest of this game to salute the D-backs for what a valiant season this has been. 84 wins, and they made it to the big dance. 
Yeah, look, that's well said. They can't be lost in all of this. As far as everything the Diamondbacks have done, sometimes you have days like this and games like this, but nothing to be ashamed of for Arizona. You just wish it could have been a little bit more competitive, but you still got another game to play tomorrow. And I was a 2-0 count on Zoe Tavares. He takes strike one on the right line. Good pitch from Ryan Nelson, who's doing mop-up duty. But Kevin Lankinen almost had an if-you're-a-goaltender technical <laughs> moment. Every time you say that, I cringe a little bit on that side because we know what that means. Uh, yeah, he was way out of his crease to play it. And Gurley's putting his case to Eric Furlat on something. But he was out of his crease to handle the puck. He quickly went back to his crease and stopped it. <laughs> oh, that could have been moments away for dis from disaster for Lankin. He doesn't get it the way of game penalty, but this is popped over. And just a, a simple throw from second to first between Mate and Walker. That will do it for Tavares. So postseason all-time consecutive games with a home run or more. 15 straight games for the Rangers. That's the most all-time. My goodness. <laughs> they're putting up video game numbers <clears throat> with how they're playing. And even with Travis Jankowski at the plate once again, who is a prolific two for free. What a showing for him. But man, the Rangers continue to put up video game numbers no matter if it's a win or a loss. Yeah, it's one thing to get all those hits for Jankowski, but then to make the sliding catch in the alpha on the bottom half of the inning. I mean, things are just getting ridiculous for Texas as far as how good it's going. Yeah, yeah that sliding catch for Jankowski, it wasn't Terry on top? Yes. Yeah. And even though he takes strike two, it really isn't going to matter that much for him because the game's all but over. Yeah, it's got to be a dream. I mean, three for five in the postseason, two RBI, anywhere you need, next man up, as you said, and these just fit right in the bottom of this order, providing a thump. Yeah, and even though Jankowski, he, he, he got a friendly call on the, the last pitch. It's a ball, too, as this was on the right line, but they're going to say outside. I have to crown him as the man to match, no matter what. Yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, that's a impact that you didn't expect in this game so if you don't give credit there to Jankowski I think people are doing him a disservice yeah yeah if you don't give credit to Jankowski you may be doing a disservice for him to step in in place of Garcia and to have him at the ninth spots coming in this is remarkable for him even yeah. though he doesn't get a hit here as this bounced over to Nelson and over to Walker that may be pretty much it for him but what a game it's been for him Okay, so we're really seeing this graphic right now. Reggie Jackson, 77 games, 18 bombs, 48 RBI. And Corey Seager has the same games in RBI with an extra home run. He's overmatched, Mr. October. Are you kidding me? He's, he's, he's overmatched on that. Yeah, Mr. October has some company. Holy cow. So, again, I'm glad we mentioned some of Corey Seager about... Uh, Hall of Fame considerations. You got that. You're definitely going to be walking to Cooperstown. Yeah, he's going to get a gold jacket there. So Simeon is going to take ball one after taking strike one. Already 60 throws for Ryan Nelson. Both Nelsons went through. Ryan and Kyle. <laughs> now Simeon is going to foul it to the right. 
just another throw until the final score. I guess the only good thing, Alec, that's left is they only have to see Simeon and Seeger one more time. Yeah, yeah, just one more time and that's it. <laughs> up high on this road, it's went upstairs and guess I'm going to be going upstairs looking for what is going to happen in game five because we don't know what, what's going to happen. We won't be covering that game, unfortunately, but perhaps if the D-backs keep this up with how they're going, this th tomorrow could be the quitcher. And, and that's despite Simeon taking the last out of the eighth. You know what, Alec? I I hate to jump ahead of it, but I think you kind of have to. I think this game, the type of game that we have, as you said, strike three was called on the slider. This type of game has lasting impacts into tomorrow. I, what I mean by that is Arizona got whooped so bad, I don't know how you take this and flush it completely. There's got to be some lasting effects. I mean, you used a lot of arms in this game as well. And as you said... You're going to have to go tomorrow in combination with Zach Gallon and Miro Kelly. Look, even if most people would say you probably shouldn't use Miro Kelly, well, you have to. You're going to be down three games to one. You really don't have a choice. So, unless they can find a way to slow Texas down, I'm not even talking about half their offense, because if it was half, they'd still have six runs on the board. They need to close Texas down to maybe three runs or less. Yeah, they do, because... It's now an all-hands-on-deck moment, as he said, as was the case with the Rangers in Game 7 of the AOCS, where they were facing elimination twice. They won both of them against the Astros. But then again, the road must be crossed if they want to come back and win this and pull a 2016 Chicago Cubs. But against this Rangers team, that's not going to be easy. <clears throat> no, Alec, I, I don't see it on that side. Again, I think this one is definitive on this side that maybe that will that's exactly what we'll see tomorrow and then maybe you and I might have to do some type of weekend hockey assignment in the way that this is going. We do have a final officially here. It looks like four to one the LA Kings get the victory and we can give you a scoring update on this side. I'll I'll do it since Alex Cole in this part of the inning. Sam Lafferty, the former Maple Leaf, he scores his second from Quinn Hughes and Anthony Bovillier. We do have a goal here for Nashville as well. This may be Colton Sissons from Roman Yossi. And guess who we discussed earlier? Yeah. Liam Foodie. He gets his first assist as a Predator. That's good timing. I just saw that appear on my screen. So Thatcher Demko, 7 out of 8. Same thing for Kevin Lincoln. And 7 out of 8 is worth 352 in the first. Yes, this, this really is looking like a game that could go either way. And we may be seeing that unfold in front of our eyes. I don't expect this wool with what a nice shot and maybe a deflection in front, but Dante Fabro had the initial shot, so two and a trice as the great Peter Drury is announcing soccer games over the UK would say. If Fabro, I'm not sure if there was a deflection in front of Gustav Nyquist, but perhaps there wasn't. But it's still, regardless, 2-1 Nashville. They're going to take extensive looks on this to see if there is a deflection. So, bottom D8, as it is, and Brock Burke is in. Goals that you mentioned as we get the change. 
22 seconds apart if it holds. And uh-oh, uh-oh, Lankin almost, yeah, he played out, but <laughs> almost risked giving up a goal. Don't want that happening. That's the second time I was about to say it. <laughs> and, and Wacky bounces Burke. He was activated to uh, to participate in the World Series today, added to the active roster, and this bat may have flown out of Matez's hands on this foul ball. Well, anytime that happens, look out over there. That's for sure. And we don't see this often, having bats fly out of batters' hands, but that thing could be flying up into the air. I don't even know what that hit. It took off like 100 miles an hour and it didn't even move anywhere. <laughs> it didn't. Uh, my dad tries again, fouls again. At the same spot where it was. So two straight foul balls. And that makes the count 2-2. Two, two. So they say the assist on the Fabro goal, that's what they're, they're going to call it. Because there's no deflection from Nyquist. He just provides a screen in front. Philip Forsberg. And Ryan O'Reilly, Auto Parts. Ryan O'Reilly's been pretty good for Nashville so far early in the year. And Matez is going to send it deep to center field. Leo Tavares just had to take a few steps right behind him to just catch that and bring the D-backs to their last five outs. Well, will be one last go-around here for Corbin Carroll and Christian Walker. Christian Walker's got a couple hits in this game, but they really need Corbin Carroll to find it here, or it's going to end as soon as tomorrow. They really need it. Him and his 50-plus stolen bases in the regular season, just as Burke delivers a first-pitch strike. So, just added to the roster ahead of the World Series tonight. But so far, so good for Burke. Yeah, and Alec, he might get a chance to close out this game in its entirety. And that time, this is going to be flung over to, to the ground. It's a left center, and Carroll finally gets a hit. It may be at the bottom of the eighth, and their D-backs are down by 10, but there may be, that may be something for Mr. Carroll. Here's the question. Do you have enough to try to go ahead and steal a base when Texas probably knows you're running, even though it's a 10-run game? you got to try it. Carroll's that fast anyway. Yeah, just remember when my dad was tossed out, caught stealing second by Jonah High, <clears throat> connecting with Marcus Simeon. Just remember that. There's always that possibility of Gabby Moreno now at the plate. A double play opportunity is there for the taking, but Moreno is 0 for 2. Moreno's got a lot of power. It's been a couple games since he hit that home run. We'll see if he can find something either for today or tomorrow. Moreno swings and misses. Fastball at 94. Let's see if the power is there tomorrow for the D-backs if they were to send this series back to Arlington for a game six. So there's no room for error left in the D-backs, especially tomorrow, as this is ball two on the outside left for Burke with one out, two, one. Yeah, I mean, you got your probables listed with Gallon, but you got to think Merrill Kelly, you got to think Kevin Ginkle, Paul Sewald. Uh, everybody's on hands on deck tomorrow. And Moreno just over the glove hand of Seeger. That'll get Carroll over to second, and Moreno at first. Still a double play is there for the taking. 
And Christian Walker's got an opportunity, whether or not it's a game that can be win, most likely not, but complete that power, get a home run, make yourself feel good about what you've done today. You already got a couple hits, might as well drive in some runs. Yeah, you need to, yeah. Something to get the, the, the players' confidence up. Something to get their, their confidence up for next game if they were to get, get the series back to Arlington in game five for game six. And we're getting a mound meeting by Mike Maddox, the pitching coach. So Bruce Boshi is not going to come out. Instead, he'll have Maddox calm the nerves of Burke. And in the meantime, Chris Stratton is warming up at the bullpen. Again, it's another one of those time meetings there with Maddox. It's probably a good one to calm down Burke, as you said. But you would think Burke could at least get the eighth and then use Stratton for the ninth. You don't want to use Stratton for, like, five outs. They want to make sure Burke can get out of this unscathed. I would second that, that Burke get out of this unscathed and make sure no further damage is done. See, something here that would allow for a double play to develop. Yeah, ground ball, something like that that they're looking for. Again, if he gives up a couple runs, that's fine. But I imagine you're not going to use Stratton for six outs, five outs. So try to get through this eighth inning without a lot of damage against you and move on. And Christian Walker, as Burke is going up against him, Walker's been one of the few bright spots all the time I can tell my dad. And Walker doesn't offer the first two of them. Sees them go outside, so 2-0. See how this sequence goes for Walker and Burke. Yeah, unfortunately the scoreline is where it is, but this has been his best game of the World Series for Christian Walker. And that's the good and bad news here. Walker's going to deliver up to left field, and I'll reach Evan Carter now the bases are loaded. So maybe don't go anywhere. Well, Tommy Pham has been hot, and we will see. I mean, if he can get a grand slam... You at least get yourself in a situation where Texas has to use other bullpen arms. And you could get in that situation very much. Anything is definitely possible. And even the largest of leads might not be safe in the end. And indeed, we're getting a pitching change with Stratton coming out. Yeah, so I don't know, again, if Bruce Bochy wanted to use Chris Stratton in this situation with the bases loaded. Because I know he wants to stay away from LeClerc. Maybe even Martin Perez. Or, but no, this is not what they wanted from Burke. You just call him up and then he loads the bases and has to exit with just one out. The last thing that the Danian, in this regard, even with a 10-run lead, and even though the game has been slowing down or them racking up the runs, I, I wouldn't believe that they would be in this situation, bases loaded and perhaps... A little more breathing room for the D-backs. You cannot give them any sort of breathing room, especially this late in the game. No, you can't. And at least one thing you know definitively for Texas now. I know it might be unfair for me to say, but the way that Burke pitched and he was just called up, I guarantee you he's not pitching tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to pitch tomorrow. Because you've already seen everything that you needed to see today, and it was uh, pretty shaky. So... Regardless of the scoreline, again, I, I get it, but you don't want to be able to provide that kind of relief, essentially, when you leave the bases loaded and have to exit. Now, all of a sudden, if you look at the hit column, it's 11 runs and 10 hits for Texas. Arizona has 9 hits, but now they've been scattered over the last couple games, Alec. I mean, it was the 
eighth inning run last night against Chapman. Now it's eighth inning bases loaded. That's fine. You were able to find a way to get something possibly in this eighth. But it's too many scattered runs for Arizona. They haven't been able to get anything sustained. And as you said, they haven't been able to find a way to get any stolen bases. Yeah, they haven't really got those stolen bases going up because that's been the foundation for their offense, the ground game. And they win games by stolen bases. You can argue that this could be a 2-1 series lead, potentially a 2-2 series tie by the end of tonight had it not been for Dolis Garcia and Corey Seager. You can say that, and you would not be wrong. And now you're in a situation where they're in the eighth inning again, and they're providing the offense. And, and my wonder is if this is too little too late, which may most likely be the case. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the eighth inning and the possibility of run scoring, but they got to find a way to spread that out earlier in the innings if they want to have any chance. I know it goes without saying, but... For whatever reason, when it gets late, Arizona gets clutch, be able to get some hits, but they got to find a way to start it earlier. Yeah, I've, I've seen slow starts from them in the first five innings, especially in the NLCS. In the latter four innings, they turned it on, and that's where they do most of their damage. one on Tommy Pham. Pham doesn't offer. He gets called for the strike. And it took a little while for the decision to be made by the umpire, but the call was made 1-1 as this went bottom center. Everyone looking along here. Bases loaded, fam on the plate. The 1-1. One, one. Swing and a miss and one that he should not have went on. This one went low, and I mean low, more towards the dirt than it was towards the zone. 1-2. Yeah, you can't get too big. Arizona has been one of the most important hitters. Come through in a clutch situation regardless of the score. Stratton now on the mound. 1-2. The throw. This goes outside. Fan doesn't offer us. This one to the left. Breaking ball 2-2. Two, two. And that time the right call from Fan. He'll continue to look for Stratton's fifth pitch. Here it comes. And this is fouled right off his shoe. He'll stay put for Stratton's sixth pitch. Well, it's a bases loaded situation. If you're Chris Stratton, you've had to walk in, extinguish the fire, and at least leave with limited damage. Yeah, at least limited damage is limited damage is better than a lot of damage. So now, middle of these, this order for Fam, a double plate is in play. In a two-two, Fam is going to foul again. He'll stay put for another two-two pitch from Stratton. Came over from the Mets, and he's been an important pitcher uh, on the spring. I mean, reverse that. Another 2-2. Uh, and yet again, it's a foul ball on this curveball. Oh, my goodness. This feels like it's going to keep on going. Tommy Pham, if he can make something happen, Lourdes Gurriel would be next. Yeah, unless there's a double play, that is. There's always that possibility, especially if runners loaded. Bases loaded. Another 2-2. And this may have went off of high. The runners will stay put. Now it's a full count with one out. Cannot offer a walk here. No, you can't. That's the last thing that Stratton wants to do. Cut off the life now. Yep. It's what you want to do. 
right here in this full count pitch. Here it comes. Fab's going to offer, and for the fourth time, he's going to foul. The fourth time in five pitches from Strasen. Well, regardless of what happens here for Tommy, it's a good job to stay locked in, regardless of what's going on. Yes, yeah, Regardless of what happens, it's a good at-bat sequence for Tommy Fab. Everyone on their feet here in Arizona applauding Fab. He'll offer, and this will be lined over the right field. But here comes Corbin Carroll, so this works as a sack fly. The second time this has happened for the D-backs on the line out by Tommy Pham. So good job from him to get the sack fly and bring in Carroll home. Yeah, and again, as you said, it was several innings ago with runners on second and third and no outs. Arizona was only able to get one. Now you had bases loaded and one out in the eighth, and you had one now. If Texas limits it to that, they don't care about that run. And, and, and Texas limits the damage because limited damage always better than a lot of damage. I'll take the eight limited damage nine times out of ten because the only time we'll do it is no damage in such a situation. Yeah, and usually when you get bases loaded one out, you're probably giving up a run anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to happen just as Guriel swings on a pitch he should not have swung on. This one curved below the zone, but this one had Stratton fooling Guriel. And just as we're getting an interview from the TNT crew on Devin Booker between the Spurs and Suns. Here's the 0 1. Guriel is going to air this over to left field, chasing after Devin Carter. This is gone! So the D-backs have some life. They're within six. Well, that's a good job for Lourdes Curiel again for Stratton. All those uh, runs, that's going to be charged on the other way for Brock Burke. So that's not how you want to make your World Series debut. But that was blasted up in the zone. That was a mistake pitch, and Curiel knew what to do with it. A mistake pitch, as you said, and for Curiel... The D-backs making most of their damage here in the eighth inning. And a job well done. And Yuli will be proud if he's watching his brother Lourdes. Again, it's 11-5. to There's still a long way to go in this one. But it's back-to-back -back games in the eighth inning where Arizona has scored. Yesterday it was 3-1. to Now they scored five runs in the eighth. Again, they've got to find a way to get that started a little bit sooner because if they can, they still have a chance in this series. But, man, it's just started too late in some of these games. Yeah, late it has come here in this game. Just remember about game one between the Rangers and Orioles when it seemed the O's, they were rallying back to make an 11-8 final score, but they were down by seven at, at most. Here's the 0-2 after Thomas swung twice. At this time, Corey Seager is going to take care of things. Thomas was racing to first base. He had the pace for it, but Corey Seager, he was right on the money on the throw. So the damage just limited to a sack fly and a free run shot. That's all the D-backs did in this eighth inning. 11-5 is the score. We'll take it to the ninth. And Alec, you said it correctly, but it is kind of funny when you mention, yeah, it's only a sack fly and a three-run bomb. It's only four runs, but I mean, that's what happens when you were down 11-1. to one. Yeah, yeah, especially 
when you, you come alive here in the late stages. And I asked earlier if this was going to be too little too late, and I thought it was going to be too little too late. Perhaps I'm going to hold my answer for what the ninth inning offers, because the Orioles made things interesting in Game 2 in the ALDS against the Rangers when they drove by 7 and made a, an 11-8 ball game, but that's as much as it can go. Yeah, we'll have to see. Again, I think for Arizona it's likely window dressing, but at least they did one thing. They may be forced, maybe, I'll say. Martin Perez, Jose LeClerc, Josh Spores, or Roldis Chapman. You might want to think about using one of your better bullpen arms if you're Texas and Bruce Bochy, just to make sure you lock down that ninth inning. I say, I, if I were your Texas... Yeah, I would rely on one of the better bullpen arms if, if I'm the Rangers. Get someone warmed up at the bullpen. Say, am I going to bring someone up? Because they just added Brock Burke to the, to the roster, and he had himself a forgetful display yes. for that. As I'm looking over to the roster, say, you already used up Chris Stratton, Dane Dunning, Cody Bradford, so that leaves up about Martin Perez, or Josh Spores, or Rhodes Chapman, Jose Leclerc, or perhaps Will Smith. But that may be a curious decision for Will Smith to come out there. Perhaps, if I'm going to lock things down, I would say Josh Spores. I'm going to offer a curious one to you. What about John Gray? John Gray, that's a good one, especially after the outing he had... In, in game three. So if he can come in there and offer the same firepower in game four, he can lock things down, carrying over that momentum from game three because of that unexpected piggyback performance that he had and a well-earned victory for him. I'm just thinking because it's it's not out of hand. It's only 11-5, but at least like we said, he's one of the better arms, and Gray has been ridiculous out of the bullpen, throwing 98 and throwing strikes all over the place. So that could be an opportunity to go ahead and give him a situation where he can continue to work on all the good things that he's continued to do in this series. So once we get to this commercial break, it'll be the ninth inning. So Corey Seager will be at the bat rack. He's one for four with two strikeouts and a two-run shot. And I love what Seager's been doing, giving himself a case for World Series MVP. Now that's... Adolis Garcia, he's out for the remainder of this series. But Marcus Simeon is creeping up too. So Nelson's back out there and Seager hits it hard again. Is this splitting the gap? This is going to be a bounce over the wall and an automatic double. Yeah, an automatic double. That's what they call the ground rule double. That's what they call that. It bounced over the warning tracks and then up over the wall. Looks like someone from it looked like someone who went into the pool, grabbed a hold of that ball. Someone who jumped into the pool for the home run. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good luck by the Fox Sports camera crew on that side. You better use a lot of chemicals in that pool because I imagine it's not very clean. Yeah, you gotta clean it up <laughs> after games. I know Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, the home of the Jaguars, they have a pool of their own. I can say the same thing for there. So we'll see what happens now with the third part of the order. Again, as we mentioned in this opening, no Max Scherzer and no Adolis Garcia from the injuries that were 
Made yesterday, they'll be off the roster, but Mitch Garver is third in the order. Evan Carter is fourth. Garver's up there now after the double on the other side for Corey Seager. It's 0-2. I got to wonder, because we mentioned about the Rangers' bullpen. One name that I haven't heard from in quite a while, Jonathan Hernandez. I wonder what the he is up to. I'm not even sure if he's on the active roster, because some of the times that I've seen him, he was too busy walking everybody, and uh, that's why we haven't seen him pitch, but... If Brock Burke gets activated and does the same thing he's doing, as we said, we're not going to see Brock Burke tomorrow, the way that this outing went. So Mitch Garver, 1-2 and two, against Nelson after the double, and he's going to offer at a half-hearted pitch, and he's going to be punched out. So perhaps something brewing here for the D-backs, <clears throat> if they can make things interesting. If we remember about Game 2 between Texas and, and Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore did make things interesting, but nonetheless, I believe that's going to do it for Ryan Nelson's night. And Yotis went a little longer than expected for him because, given his, his night, I just feel bad for him if the D-backs go on to lose this, being out there for so long doing mop-up duty. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because, again, as I mentioned, between the Rotowire side of the lineups, they had Nelson as the primary but you mixed in Mantiply, who was all right. It was an inning and a third, one hit, one earned run, one strikeout. He did fine. But the problem, Miguel Castro, a third of an inning, two hits, three earned runs, that kind of started it all. And then, as you said, yeah, it's been a long mop-up duty. It's been 68 pitches thrown, and it just kind of feels like Arizona has never had a chance the whole time he's been out there. And that does, that just kind of stings a little bit. They have it listed as Andrew Solfrank. And the top of the ninth now, so he's going to be scheduled to get the next two outs here and try to get them as clean as they can and strand that runner at second. Arizona did score four in the eighth inning. That was capitalized on by a Lourdes Gurriel shot, a three-run variety, made it 11-5. to five. But other than that, we use the term window dressing, meaning that the game has been long over. And we'll see what happens with the Rangers in the bottom end of their bullpen. Alec and I gave you a few different names of what we think could be thrown out there. Again, what I wouldn't expect is Jose LeClerc, but, I mean, we're in a situation now where any other name could be listed. Yeah, any name now, because you're at that point, because it's a 6 one game, the D-backs made a little interesting in the eighth, but the, the, my big concern is about if they start their attack too late, which I'm afraid they may have. Yeah, they did on that side. I mean, they got bludgeoned a little bit in this game. I know they've been showing the TV ads for this game. Actually, I know about this uh, matchup in the NFC. It's a long-time rivalry, but it's two pretty good football teams in the Cowboys and the Eagles. How do you think that one will go? With how I saw them play last year, it, it has been tight between them, especially with that matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles were they were quarterbacked by Gardner Minshew. Yeah. When Jalen Hurts was out, now that they get Hurts, I would I would think that this would be more competitive. Yeah, I still see the Philadelphia Eagles as a Super Bowl contender and a, a team that could absolutely win it all. Andrew Salfrank is out there again. It's the same concerns. I kind of ooh, my goodness, a hit for. The other side for Texas, and that was right in on the hand. 
That is not what you want for Saul Frank. He didn't mean to do it on that side, but we're going to go ahead and get a look at Evan Carter. That's the last guy you would want to see get hit. That's right on the left hand. Oh, yeah. That hit him at that hand. Man. I'm going to check in on him because that looked like a stinger. Ouch. Oh, man. That hit him very flush on the Evo Shield side. They say it on the pinky side. They're making sure that he can grab and everything. And he doesn't look worse for wear, but he definitely got hit pretty good. And again, we mentioned that a few times with Saul Frank for good reason. He's a little wild as far as throwing some pitches. He can be on, but when he's not, he's walking batters and he's hitting batters, and he already started it there. So Arizona scored some runs. Again, we talk about the three-run shot for Lourdes Gurriel. They absolutely can't afford any more runs against them because it's 11-5 to now. Yeah, they cannot. That's what the last thing the D-backs need here. And, but to have Carter getting hit over at that left hand, that's a big ouchie, not only for Evan Carter, but also to oh, Andrew Selfrank, now that you have runners at first and second. In right. fact, Josh Smith is going to fill in for Corey Seager as the pinch runner. Okay, so that puts him in a situation where we talked about Corey Seager as far as Slight injury tweak concerns. I don't expect anything wrong with Corey Seager for tomorrow. He's going to play through it, but they're going to use that speed make sure to keep him off his feet. Again, you could make the argument that it maybe bounced off the part of the knob of the bat, but it also hit that pinky as well, so that's why Carter is at first. Again, he's motioning the base coast. He tried to get out of the way of it, but there was really nothing he could do. Again, we have the pinch runner that Alec and I just... Discussed on that side that he brought up to us for Corey Seager. So that's the Smith side at second. You got Carter in at first. And you got an opportunity for Josh Young, who's got plenty of power. These rookies have done a great job for Texas so far throughout the postseason. They have. Between Evan Carter and Josh Young, I love what they're doing. Three for four. Young. Back up off the double as Perdomo. See if they can turn it. That's a sweet turn there for the Diamondbacks. It's been their best defensive play. And now they have a little bit less work to do, but they still have to score six runs in the bottom ninth. They're going in a miracle and fast. Well, any way that they can get, whether it be countless solo shots. If, I remember there's that one game in which the Dodgers had five home runs in the bottom of the ninth to force extra innings. And that was one of the many famous games of Vince Scully. Rest in peace to him. And he's going to be calling many games up there for the audience over at the afterlife. <laughs> no doubt about that. And again, if we get a situation where there's uh, five solo shots, I'll be glad to have the day off because I'm pretty sure my voice is going to get blown out. Oh, man. Been working so much, bro. Oh, I just don't know what when it's gonna be the end of it. But <laughs> it has this goal to make things interesting in this night in this night inning after the, what the D-backs put up in the eighth. Well, we have some popcorn. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We got something here at least. It'll be an opportunity during the commercial break to at least say this again. Alec, I appreciate you uh, following along with me all the time that you've done, working these games with me all the time. I know some of these ones have been blowouts, but it's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate all your work and effort throughout the World Series, man. Anytime, John. It's a lot of fun, and hopefully we get a chance to 
I hope we get a chance to do something on the Friday side. I'd be a little bit bummed if we miss the game tomorrow, which none of us are going to be able to be here for. But I'd like to see Arizona give up a little bit of fight tomorrow and extend the series at least to six. Yeah, I would want to see more fights for the D-backs in the next game. Because this game really didn't feel like there was a lot of fight in the D-backs no. until it was too late. And to make, it have them score four runs in that eighth inning. Where was this the rest of this game? I know you got a sack fight, but you gave up ten runs in, in, the, fir in the first three innings. Not what you want to get to. No, and that's something that we've talked about from games three and game four that we're doing now. We're in the bottom of the ninth and down the last three outs. Arizona needs six. They're down 11-5. But, no, you're right, because in games one and two, it was an endless amount of offense and stolen bases. In games three and games four, lights have been essentially turned out on Arizona. I know Arizona was a little bit unlucky in the game one side. I mean, this could be a 2-2 series tie, and maybe we would talk about it a little differently, but... I think, Alec, we would still think about the same things, that Arizona's just gone quiet for long stretches of time, and you can't afford to do that against Texas. You can't, because the Rangers, they're a well-rounded team from on the offensive side at the bats, and then you get to the defensive side, they're a well-rounded team, top to bottom. They have the depth to address their issues. Travis Jankowski playing himself the game of his life. Yeah, he really is. In between a couple of runs and that diving catch, again, his final line of the day, most likely two for four, two runs scored, two RBI. It looks like before we went to the break on that side, Bruce Bochy's going to counter. And I'll mention this right now. I'll go on record. I think Arizona's going to score a couple more runs. Will they win it? Most likely not. But they're going to put in Will Smith in this ninth inning, and his numbers in the postseason so far, 675 ERA. He's not been very good. Which makes the decision even more curious. Because even though we talk about him and him struggling in the regular season, those struggles seem to be falling up at the postseason. Yeah. At times, we just don't know what to expect from him. Because there are times where he looks good. Other times, he hasn't been. And by the way, the Canucks scoring a four-on-four. Four, Elias Pedersen with the equalizer. Yes, this is from Quinn Hughes and Ilya McKayev, but this puck bounced off the right pad of Kevin Lankinen and in the net. Is Elias Pedersen due a contract at the end of the season, Alec? I say you have to start contract negotiations ASAP. Okay. You have to give him what he wants. Because he's a player that's going to get north of $10 million, correct? I mean, he's a franchise-type guy. Yeah, he's a franchise type of sentiment. I see him and Jack Hughes somewhere as equals, but with the way that Jack Hughes has been playing, Hughes may be cementing himself as one of the premier centers in the league. I like that on both sides, and again, that's a good compliment. If Elias Pedersen is anywhere near as good as Jack Hughes, then we know Elias Pedersen's probably going to get $11.5, $12 million at least at the talking tables, and they, again, he'd be very well worth of getting that money because this Canucks team, again, we mentioned it. I even threw out Brock Besser a long time ago. I thought he was a great player. He's been hot and cold in the times, but the Canucks do have talent. Yeah, they have talent there between Pedersen, Besser, Quinn Hughes, Badger Demko, everyone, and even the additions, Anthony Beauvillier and 
the, and their yeah. young prospect that he got from the Islanders, Aturati, when trading away Pro Horvat. So, again, maybe this situation for Bruce Bochy is damage control in the sense of, yeah, Will Smith is going to give up something, but uh, hopefully it's not six runs. I think that's probably the narrative that Bruce Bochy's going with. And the youngster, Jordan Lawler, he's the pinch hitter right now, so it'd be nice to see him get a postseason hit again. He's still in his very, very early 20s. He's up against it now as it's 0-2. A slider just gets in there. Between him and Aldo Perdomo being the two shortstops that Arizona has at their disposal, nice of them to put Lawler out there for some World Series experience. Yeah, it always feels good to get a bat in a big-time situation with the brightest lights. Can he come through? That'd be pretty cool to see. 0-2, this one's spiked in the dirt. It got spiked and it hit Jonah Heim in that same spot as he will quickly throw this across and we will give him an extra beat. My goodness. Oh, that looked dangerous for Jonah Hine because it's those balls. Whenever there are runners on bases, you can imagine if this goes badly, we'll see runners advancing. That time there are no runners. Now, that's the thing we talk about with Will Smith is this gets slammed followed by Waller, but he can be a little wild. Again, you can locate some of those sliders maybe inside as he did in that second strike against Waller, but Will Smith hasn't really been one of those guys that's been locked down. But again, maybe an 11-5 situation, as you said, with Bochy. He's just trying to think that they can hold it enough to keep everybody fresh to win it tomorrow. As this goes off the knob of the bat, so good job by Jordan to stay alive. It just off the knob of the bat. And just enough <clears throat> so that he can stay put and really make Will Smith work. That's what you want to do right now. At least all the back end pieces of that bullpen will be heavily taxed on both sides. The best arms have not been used, but Arizona even more worked way high with the fastball. Make it two and two. The last thing in the world you want to do now is if you're Texas, walk anyone. Again, it's 11-5, but you're only just barely out of grand slam distance at this point. So we'll see if Lawler can dig back in on a 2-2. An inside slider, and that's a very good eye from a young ball player. Good eye there from Lawler. He knows how to locate these pitches, and I like what I'm seeing from Lawler. It's from Carrollton, Texas, the 21-year-old. That'd be cool to see him get a hit there against a team like that. He's going to draw the walk. Good job there by Lawler, as Arizona's got the first step. they got the base runner in the bottom of the ninth. So... Something of getting yourself in hot water, but you want to get just enough out of the hot water so that you don't get right into a lot of damage. That's the situation that you're looking at. If you're if you're Will Smith, I think the only thing you're throwing here is off-speed pitches low, trying to make sure Perdomo hits into a ground ball double play situation, and he just took a slider right down the middle. Oh my goodness! Yeah, oh my goodness! Just got a swing on that. You cannot afford to have anything. Yeah, you're not going to get anything better than that now, and you're going to be seeing a steady diet of breaking balls away and down, I would imagine, unless he hangs another one. This is looped on the right field side. This will drop. Lawler's got speed. He's going to third. Double play is still open, but it's runners at first and third now for Arizona. So hold on tight. You have runners in the corner, so the game may still be within reach. 
I'm not going to say I disagree with Bochy's move. I understand you don't want to use the best arms, but that's why I was talking about with Alec. I don't care. I'm locking it down on a six-run lead, and I would use everybody but LeClerc. Smith is not what we would have gone with, but if he gets out of it now, that's fine. But here's the problem now. LeClerc is warming up, and you didn't even want him to do that. And this is not what the original plan had in mind. You don't want this situation. However, because it's got to that situation, you may be having no other choice if this right. goes to a situation where it's close, and you may have to turn to your closer. Right. That, exactly. That's well put, Alec. That's exactly what we were trying to talk about and avoiding and thinking about John Gray or Chapman or anybody else. Big swing for Marte. He had a pitch. He missed it, and he knew it. Yeah, yeah, this is one that in which he really missed badly. And I think he wants you to take that swing back. That was a high-breaking ball that could have absolutely been hit out of here. Smith has been very... He's not been sharp at all. 0-2. And now, down in the dirt, Marte punches out in disgust. Oh, what could be his last at-bat of this game, because for that... He, he may have mistimed that swing a bit too early. Yeah. He was not even close to locating the strike zone, Will Smith. And again, I'm not trying to bag on him, but he's been very uh, poor coming out of this bullpen. And yet he might have an opportunity to get a double play out. But there's been a lot of hanging breaking balls. Corbin Carroll now, as this one misses high, make it 1-0. and Smith is having trouble locating the strike zone here. I know putting him in may not be the worst thing in the world, but you need to do anything to get out of this game unscathed. Yeah, it's kind of like taking the flamethrower of the match and just hoping that it just misses from the hairspray on that side. Like, there's there's an opportunity here for Arizona to score, and that's why I'm trying to relate to you on the play-by-play -play side of it for both of us here, or anyone listening in late on both sides, because the opportunity's here. Corbin Carroll now, one and one in the count. And this is a poorly swung by Carroll, but it's going to be a defensive indifference. So stolen base for Perdomo, but Carroll's up against it 1-2. and two. Even though Perdomo, he got over to second, this may not mean a lot if, if Will Smith can, if Smith can get the double play from home to third. Right, and Carroll's sacrifice fly means nothing at this point. He's going to go ahead and put this one foul. He needs to make contact and drive this somewhere. Get on base, draw, walk, anything. But you can't afford, if you're Arizona right now, to give away outs and swing at poor pitches. One and two still the count. It's 11-5 game. Arizona's made it closer with four in the eighth. Again, it was one run in the eighth in the last game. But they haven't found a way to get offense in the other innings. Texas has been out in front by as many as ten twice. Will Smith, 1-2, and two, and Carroll punches out on a fastball right down the middle. My goodness. He had the right idea. Just missed time to swing. I feel he has to be a little frustrated with how he's been going in this game throughout. And, and normally, we would see him swing and doing. But it just hasn't been there tonight for Corbin Carroll. So again, Will Smith will probably go up my mentions and say, see, I got out of it anyway, and I would give him credit. But we know that there's been something going on, and now Bruce Bochy is back out on the mound. Is he going to entertain to give up the baseball from Will Smith? I mean, at least he's seeing what we saw, Alec. 
You saw a little bit too much fire there, and they don't want to take any chances with Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, they don't want to take chances. They're getting, in, getting all hands on deck here for Jose Leclerc coming out. He was wow. coming up in the bullpen in the meantime. And so it's a non-safe situation for him. But Boji's just going to rely on him for the final out. I'll say maybe, the, maybe an okay move. Yeah, again, I, I'm glad that we uh, related the way that we did, or at least I did. I don't want to put words in Alex's mouth about Will Smith and some of the things that we saw. But we saw pitches middle-middle. We saw pitches that were not close. He was probably fortunate to get a couple of those strikeouts from Cattell Marte and Corbin Carroll for being completely honest. And Bruce Bochy said, you know what, man, I got, I got enough here. You got to make sure we lock this down against Gabby Moreno. Yeah, and Bill Boshi said that even though it, even though he got, got out Marte and, and Carol, Boshi might not be impressed with the way no. he spent his dumpings. It, it, it's not about if he does it, it was about how he does it. And he may have given Texas a heart attack or two with <laughs> how he pitched. <laughs> He was making me feel that way during the play-by-play -play with all the pitchers that were right down the middle. So that was the only thing. Again, we talked about maybe not wanting to use LeClerc in that situation, but he put himself into a point where you got kind of painted into a corner. But if LeClerc can at least get this to, you know, five or six pitches, he'll be available for tomorrow, and Texas can look to finish it out. But Arizona, certainly, Alec, we can talk about this. They've had their chances in the late innings. Yeah, they had their chances, Arizona, in the late innings, and they've been making the most out of that between the 8th and the ninth inning. The, the bad thing is, the Rangers already did the damage in the 2nd and 3rd innings, and Jonah Hyde added to that in the 8th. So, if this 8th inning and ninth inning for Arizona, so far, you're down to your last out, it will take a legitimate miracle for them to pull through. Yeah, it would be interesting if uh, Gabriel Moreno comes through and then Christian Walker again. You could at least maybe think of an 11-8 game, but where's the runs going to come after that? That would be the question. That's the only thing I could be thinking of. Jose Leclerc's going to make sure that that narrative is completely erased. Right now, Arizona's found their way to 11 hits. They've tied Texas. problem with that is Texas has 11 runs and Arizona only has 5. As the closer has come in here into the game four side. Texas trying to take a 3-1 lead in the World Series. This is a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be, but here's LeClerc as the fastball sinker combination misses low. Make it 1-0. Just in the left of the zone that time for LeClerc on Moreno. And we, we're going to be talking about Moreno and the Dalton Bar Show trade for a long time now. 2-0. On the sinker side, so no force seems just yet for Jose Leclerc. Nothing crazy yet. Again, I imagine Jose Leclerc, he's going to take the baseball anytime his manager asks him to do. He's that type of guy, and he's really good at it. But didn't imagine we would see him in this game. See if he can find the plate here. 2-1, and one. good work there with the sinkers. He just finds the outside black. That's a well-pitched ball from Leclerc on that third throw. And we talked about him finding the zone. That time he did. And that one just on the money. 2-1 boom pitch. Moreno puts it the left field line. Foul off the cutter. And Arizona is down to their final strike. 
Never would have thought this would be an 11-5 game. It looked more like the 10-0, 11-1 game than it was. But Arizona's come alive late. They haven't scored any runs in the ninth. They had eighth, four in the eighth. We'll see if Moreno can provide anything down to the final strike. McClurk. This is a ground ball. This will get through the hole. And this will keep the game going. Moreno scored one. He's played it two. It's 11-7 now. This is the heart attack version of the Rangers that we may be getting oh, here man. in games. <clears throat> and, for, and games to be made this interesting now, now that we have something like this, some fight in the D-backs here. This goes to show we don't count the D-backs out no matter how much of a lead it is. I mean, Alec, the narrative in my story is going to go one way about late run scoring, but Arizona's maybe two runs away from completely changing this right now. And Christian Walker, I mean, it's the last out. Every run matters. You can't afford any outs here. But 11-7 to from a 10 nothing and 11-1, to this is a nightmare scenario a little bit. This is cued foul. It's now 0-2. Christian Walker's 3-4. for four. He was one of the only batters that was essentially awake in the mix of it. We'll see if LeClerc can finish it off. Again, a non-safe situation. It's gotten a little bit more close as the players are looking around here. 11-7 down to the final strike. LeClerc delivers from Heim. Way high. It's 1-2. and They've been saying that this game was going to be over, and we thought it was going to be over after that third inning. But, and we thought this was going to be a Vegas Golden Knights type of game in hockey terms. But it looks far from that part now. One and two. Can LeClerc get the final out? Take a 3-1 series lead for Texas. Misses high. Make it two and two. And you're exactly right, Alec. I mean, this might be the same result, and Texas might still take a 3-1 series lead. But they're going to have a lot to think about heading into tomorrow. A lot for Bruce Boshi and everyone. This feels like an uncomfortable win if this holds up. Fouled off the end of the bat. Is it going to stay in play? Everybody running at it. Nathaniel Lowe makes the catch. Texas does take a 3-1 series lead, but was what was once, what, 10-0 and 11-1 ends up being an 11-7 final. Uncharacteristically that we've been seeing here from the Rangers. When we all thought the game was over, the D-backs making ways to make things interesting. Any other game, if there were fewer runs, you think the D-backs would come away with a win. Not this time, because most of the damage was already done in the second and the third innings. And Will Smith, Jose Leclerc, have looked a little off in, in this outing here to cap things off. And, and the late rally by the D-backs showed what late game magic they can bring. But this wasn't the. This is, was not going to be the story of the game. The story was more about the Rangers and their batting and their defensive prowess. But for the D-backs, they need, and I mean need, to get back to playing Arizona Diamondbacks baseball in Game Five. Get back to their foundation, stolen bases, yeah. their their bullpen, because that hasn't showed up here. No, it's only showed up essentially in the seventh. 8th and ninth innings. It's got to show up at the beginning of the game. As Alec just mentioned, 
a five spot in the second, a five spot in the third. Texas housed the game early. They held on late. And again, look at the box score. And this game's going to think it's a lot closer than it actually was as Arizona had more hits than Texas, 12 to 11. But again, 10 runs in the first three innings when Arizona was down 10 nothing. That's got to change. Again, if you're on the other side and you're Bruce Bochy, as Alec mentioned, that's also got to change. And the side of your bullpen, you're using your best arms. You're not putting yourself in a situation again that Jose LeClerc had to come out and throw a little bit of relief because that got a little too dicey. Yeah, it got really dicey late in the game in the bullpen side of things because we both know this was going to be a bullpen game. I didn't expect it to be this type of game. It was going to be the Rangers striking early, but then the D-backs striking late. I think I'm feeling that the D-backs were going to get something late because that's what they've been doing in the postseason, namely the NOCS. But to have a game like this, kind of alarming for the Rangers, especially yeah. in their back-end bullpen. So you got to trust your top guys if you get to the situation where it is a tight game. Spores, Chapman, LeClerc. However, you, you're now going back to Avoldi and Game 5. So this, everything is there for your favor. You get your 1B pitcher out onto the mound to start things off for tomorrow in the World Series quencher. But then again, your back-end bullpen may have a, have a bit of an alarm or two between Brock Burke and Will Smith. That's what I'm going to say. I agree with you on that side. So you go between Avaldi. I don't care what the score line is. If you have a chance to win it, you use your best arms because you know what? You get the off day and you go back to Arlington. No messing around. You were able to get the huge lead and survive. But look, I'll just tell you this really quickly before we sign off. Brock Burke was just called up today. Third of an inning, three hits, three earned runs. You had two-thirds an inning for Stratton, one hit, one earned run. Two-thirds of an inning for Will Smith, one hit, two earned runs. That is not good. So they cannot be used tomorrow. You're using your best guys, you're rolling with Evaldi, you're trying to get whatever runs you can get and figure it out that way. And if I'm Arizona, I don't care what anyone else is saying. I know you're going out there with Zach Gallon, but I'm also throwing out Miro Kelly as well if I have to because that's a must-win game. You don't have any other choice. I think both the teams will use their best pitchers that are available to you. And if we get to a situation where Arizona does win, we will see you on a Friday night. Yeah, if we do get that to game six, we'll see you there. All right, Alec, this was a lot crazier than I expected. I know the game was going to be over maybe about an hour and a half ago before it wasn't on that side, but if we do get to a game uh, six, I will see you on Friday. You have a good one. Good night, everyone.